Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning <laughs> to each and every one of you. We're trying to snap people into shape around here. <laughs> Mainly me. Goodness gracious. Good morning. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Boy, it's a skeleton crew here today. Reed Mouse is here, spinning the dials. He's been on his game. I guess you could say that, Tom. No, you have been. You look lonely over there. Okay, all right. And, and uh, Zebra, you're well? Only by myself over here, Tom. I'm also alone. What does the uh, sweatshirt say there? I can't well, see it with a microphone. It's, it's an AJR sweatshirt. AJR, what is that? It's a band. It's it's a band that I like. Okay, and, good. And I, all right. And here's the thing, Tom. I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna draw much attention to it. And, and you know, people ask, Elliot, well, you, you usually only wear a certain amount Are of sweatshirts Are you speaking here. in the third person? Yeah. Well, no, I was, I was talking as somebody else just okay, then. All right, okay. I, I was just talking in the perspective of somebody else. I don't want to bring too much attention to it because everybody in the in the chat they call me a child for liking AJR and that's okay. I guess they like the music shame. Uh, I don't per I, I don't do two things, Tom. I don't unit shame and I don't music shame. Uh, the people in the chat I guess are music shaming and that's okay. But that I I, I love AJR and I'm, I'm not going to give them a whole lot of, of, of props here, but I do like them. Well, so well what kind of band are they? Why would people hate them? Well, I they make silly kind of music. It's it's not traditional type of music. They make they use kind of like weird sounds and stuff. Okay. I, I like it. Okay. I, I'll play you a couple songs after. Okay, all right, cool. But we'll it's good. That. All right. Okay. Hey, look, I, I people have different you know different taste in music yeah. or you know books or you know whatever. Who's it might your be. Who's your favorite artist, Tom? Who's, do you have a favorite? You know, I, I I like all kinds of different music. I have to say, I really really do. Um, but you know, I mean, it's like one of those where you know, I mean, I, I I'm I'm old enough to go back to the Rolling Stones and I've seen them in concert and Aerosmith and some of those guys. But then I really like the James Taylors of the world. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm showing my age. So the Eagles really love the Eagles. Um, so, you know, I mean, everybody's different. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. okay. That's all right. We all come together here on Off the Bench. That's right. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10. Hey. Little hey. Spirit. 12. Hey. All right. That'll boy, Elliot. You can find us on YouTube, the Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd rather join us, as many of you do, in podcast form, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. You're dialed in. We're also on Twitter at Seabox Sports. It's a big weekend. Here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Let's get it rolling. Tomorrow, the 91st Crosstown Shootout. Is this the year? UC finally beats Xavier as the visiting team. That hasn't happened since 2001. Think about that for a minute now. Seriously, think about it for a minute, okay? For those of you that, you know, uh, maybe have kids, okay? You may have had a son or a daughter that year. The last time UC beat X in the Centos Center. They would be finished with college, or maybe they're out working for a living, raising their own families by this point in time. That's how long it's been. Through the first third of this college hoop season, UC, without a doubt, has been the better team. They're 7-0. Six of those games have been blowouts, albeit against very mediocre or less than mediocre competition. Xavier has lost three straight games, including shocking defeats, as we know, against Oakland and Delaware. But the Muskies have played some heavyweights and quite honestly played them pretty doggone tough at Purdue, home against Houston. Those are two top five teams. Sean Miller in his two go rounds, his head coach is four and two in this robbery. 
Former UC star Terry Nelson joins us in a matter of minutes. Some great games over the weekend in college hoops. Red Hot Wisconsin will go to Arizona to battle the Wildcats. Illinois at Tennessee, Alabama, and Purdue will collide in Toronto. On the local front, Miami plays at Davidson. NKU hosts Akron. Kentucky plays at Rupp against Penn. And Ohio State is at Penn State. Football. The Bengals got some help last night. And, and look, we'll all take a little help every now and again, right? That's right. No matter what you're doing, you could always use a little help. The woeful Steelers lost at home to the equally woeful Patriots, 21-18. Bailey Zappi looked like Jake Browning, throwing three touchdown passes. The Steelers back up Mitchell Trubisky started in place of Kenny Pickett. And the men of aluminum couldn't muster 270 yards total of offense. So now the Bengals have to hold up their end of the bargain in the hood for the postseason. They host White Hot Indianapolis on Sunday. Colts have won four in a row behind their backup quarterback, Garner Minshew. And they sit one game better than the Bengals in the playoff hunt at 7-5. and five. Bengals looking for a repeat performance from their season-saving Monday night win in Jacksonville. Kyle Kasky will be in studio today at 11 o'clock to preview the game. Speaking of the Jaguars, they'll be without Trevor Lawrence this weekend when they play in Cleveland. After a bye week, division leading Baltimore is at home against the Rams, Buffalo at Kansas City. And on Sunday night, a huge game in the NFC East. Philly takes on the Cowboys in Jerry's world. And lastly, how about John Rahm? Oh, holy Moses. After bad mouthing the live tour, for the better part of two or three years since it started, Rom has had a change of heart. And $300 million can do that to a man. The PGA and Liv are still trying to figure out how their merger is going to work down the road. But for right now, it's business as usual for Liv. And now Rom is on board. That's All right. Crazy. We'll get to that later. Kind enough to join us. I mean, he is in hot demand all the time, but especially this time of year. <laughs> My old main man. Hey, first of all, Terry Nelson, congratulations on your son as a football player out there in Anderson, right? Absolutely, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, how's he doing? What's he doing? They had a heck of a year this well, year. Got to the state semis, got beat. State semis, yeah. So he switched in February. He was starting to get – He was the recruiting process was picking up, and he was playing quarterback for Walnut Hills, and he had just transferred to Anderson. And so a lot of the college coaches were asking him, are you going to – go to college as a quarterback or you want to get recruited as an athlete so he said athlete you know because he thought the chances were better and they had a pretty good quarterback there and so he said well i'm going to switch it's not easy to switch your senior year yep you know a lot of coaches i mean a lot of players wait until they go to college and then let the coach tell them what to do well he decided to switch and so from that he made first team all city first team all conference first team all district and first team all state in in, his, in his first year so where's he going to go? Has he thought about it? Has he decided yet? Well, he's going to Bowling Green. So he, All right, he committed to Bowling go. Green early. Love it. And uh, Bowling Green's got a good good team, good program. They finished 7-5. and five. They got a bowl game coming up. And they have majority of their team coming back, which is great because you can learn from those guys. But he also has two seniors that are in front of him in the safety position. He's going to play the star position, which is a combo between linebacker, outside linebacker, and safety, sort of like Troy Palomalo. And they're going to use him all over the field. And they say he has a chance to play his freshman year. So he's excited. We're all excited. And he leaves January 5th. 
Wow. Oh, that's right. A lot of guys can do that. They can go early. That's, that's great stuff. Congratulations. Best of luck to him. I'm going to root for him to have a great year. I'm going to root for Bowling Green to have a great year. I'm an Anderson grad, so I love Anderson guys. But I'm not going to root for him against Ohio University. I hope he plays well, but I'm rooting for my guys, the Bobcats. All right, let's move on. you got a big one tomorrow. Give me your overall, your overall vantage point, Terry, about this UC team so far this year. Undefeated. Schedule hasn't been all that tough, but um, what, 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 where do you think this team is? What, do you like what you see? I love what I see, and I think the strength of this team is his depth and, the, and the, the amount of looks and packages that they can present to a team. So if you got a team that they're playing that has a bunch of guards, they can match up well because they have dynamic players that can guard the wing, you know, with John Newman and Dan Skillings. And then, you know, CMOS, Lukosius, being a 6'8", having a great history with Xavier, scored 27 points against them a couple years ago when he was at Butler. But I think the guards of UC are dynamic. We haven't had guards like this in a long time. You know, with Jizzle James and Dede Thomas, they're both downhill players. And Jizzle James is a mid-range player. So coming off the bench every year in the Crosstown, it's always some guy that comes in, that makes a difference that you didn't even plan for. You know, you plan for the big ones, the, the Blewitts and all those guys that's coming in. But it's always somebody that comes in and steps up and has a big game to cement themselves in the lore of the Crosstown history. And I think this year it could be Jizzle James because he's a guy that can play up to the level of the competition. Even though he's a freshman, he doesn't rely on three-point shots, which everybody does, and even our coach wants him to shoot more threes. But he's just a bucket getter. You know, he comes off that snake dribble up the top of the key high screen. He shoots mid-range. Uh, he likes to attack. He gets to the free throw line. But, but our bigs, we have depth, and we can give you different looks. So I think that's where the real look is for Xavier. Xavier has a completely different team. You know, yeah. they don't have the leadership that they can hold on to from last year. They're still trying to figure it out. Defensively, they have not been where Sean Miller wants him to be. Sean Miller has been a very good defensive coach throughout his, you know, his coaching career. And right now his team is just not latched on. They don't have the shot blockers that they would have. Uh, they don't have the on-the-ball defenders that they used to have in the past. So it's one of those things where they're going to have to play a collective team defense, and they're going to have to hit some shots. Their pace, like top five in the country in pace, getting out in, in transition and, and moving the ball – but defensively, they're going to have to make some stops. You know, I'm curious, Terry, because you would have a, a certainly unique perspective on this. I remember I was broadcasting your games back in those days at UC, and you come in that first year uh, along with Nick Van Exel and Corey Blunt and that whole group, you, you know, and you guys are out in California or Texas, you know, wh wh whatever, right? And, and all of a sudden, you're thrown into this game. I mean, I'm sure the Crosstown shootout meant nothing to you. And, I mean, right before the first time you play in it, the press comes to you and you're like, we're going to blow these guys out of the gym, you know, and all that the storm that created and hugs and Van Exel saying the same thing and so on and so forth. What I'm getting at is it, both teams have a lot of guys that basically, if not completely brand new to this game, they don't have a lot of experience in, in this game. A couple of UC players do, very little from Xavier. Even guys like Dan Skilling, he, he played in the game last year, but he didn't even score in the game, if I'm not mistaken. So – is that an advantage, a disadvantage, means nothing at all? If, if you really don't have sort of that experience in this game to draw from? 
Um, no, it doesn't really matter if you have the experience. It's a matter of what you've been doing all year long, because this is just going to be a culmination of what you've been doing to this point. And if you're a team that really enjoys practice, if you're a team that likes to get better every day in practice and really take those two hours of, of preparation seriously, you know, if you're a guy that comes early to the gym, a guy that uh, stays late, likes to get his shot up, likes to visualize, likes to watch film. If you're a gamer, you're going to love this because you're going to look at the film, you're going to see what they do, and you're going to see their tendencies. And one thing about athletes is once you get tendencies down of your opponent, you have an advantage because you know, like when I was guarding the post, I knew big guys. I love guarding big guys, guys that were 6'10", 7 feet, because they were mechanical. They take two dribbles, they drop step, or they get into a jump hook. So if you know, based on the film that you saw, the tendency of them to do two dribbles and drop step, at that second dribble, you jump to that side and you meet them there. They turn and knock you over. Or you make them, if they like to turn over the left shoulder for the jump hook, over the right over the right hand with a jump hook, then you take the left shoulder away and make them do a turnaround jump shot. Doesn't seem like much, but that 50 to 60% they would shoot if they were comfortable, now they're shooting 30, 35. Yep. So when you get new guys into the, into the fray, it depends on how quickly they grasp the coach's vision of what they want to do as far as, you know, how they're going to win, their identity. You have to know when you're coming up the bench who you are and what you're there for. If To me, now I could be totally wrong, but it seems like the Xavier players have not adjusted to what their role is. And Cincinnati players have. doesn't mean that this is an advantage to win or lose. It just means that when – Players come off the bench, you should know from 6 to 10, those numbers 6 to 10, when coach puts you in, what you're in for. Don't come in there and try to be a superhero when you've never shot threes. You know, you, you, you're you not good at taking the ball to the basket. They rush you off the three. You run guys over. You have to know if you're a shot blocker, block shots. If you're a rebounder, go in there and get you, you know, six, seven boards off the bench. If you're a hustle guy, take charges, pass the ball, set screens. Do what you're supposed to do and do it at a greater capacity. Don't do what you're not capable of doing in a game like this because it'll get out of hand quickly. Um, you know, that, that's the one thing, and you brought it up earlier, Terry. That, that, that's the one thing from the UC the team that I've watched this year. You brought up the guard play. Um, look, I mean, you've forgotten more about playing big-time college basketball than the rest of us will ever know. But, you know, there's something to be said. And Xavier has had players like this in the past. I'm not saying this is exclusively to UC. But in James and Day-Day Thomas, they strike me, and I might end up being a 1,000% wrong. They strike me as the kind of kids, just watching them so far this year, that, that have the potential to thrive in an atmosphere like this game tomorrow. Is that fair? Well, that's exactly what I, I mentioned this um, yesterday. I don't know where I was talking to, but I – they look at the challenge of attacking. And this is one of those games where, you know, Wes always gives his guys the ability and the freedom to do what they want, to attack. But in a game like this, they're going to have to be uh, on attack mode at all times because Day-Day is so fast, he can create pace. And both of the guards are so explosive that they can dunk on you if you give them the room, the runway, I mean, they're just they're just bigger, explosive. You know, Day-Day is a junior college guy, top four player in the country in the junior college ranks. You know, Jizzle was a top 50 player, comes from a lineage. You know, I asked him, 
how did his mid-range become so prevalent in a land of three-pointers and why people shoot three-pointers so much? He said, well, I had a house in my, in my I had a, a basketball court in my house. I'm like, you got a basketball court in your house. Son. <laughs> <laughs> so he said he had a basketball court in his house and the roof was too small to shoot threes from distance, you know? So he had to work on mid-range shots because the shots were closer and he wouldn't hit the ceiling. And so he would make sure he get a thousand shots off every day. Wow. He said, and it wasn't no, you know, just saying a thousand. He came from a household of expectation. You got a brother playing for Howard. Dad's a Hall of Famer. So when he says a thousand shots before dinner, you're going to get a thousand shots up or you're not coming to dinner. Yep. And so he would get a thousand shots and thousand shots. He had a game last year in high school. He scored 50 points. Uh, he only had one three-pointer. I wow. mean, he just, he's a guy that gets to his spot knows how to get there, knows how to, you know, use his body, get separation, even shoot little fadeaways in the paint if he's got to. But it's those kind of games I really believe the guards have an advantage. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, are, are you still in the prediction business around here or no? Uh, I can only predict it's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be this cross-town oh, shootout. Man. Man. You, you have not aged well, man. Come you on. I hey, mean, you look good. I, you got if, the if, beard. You got the gray in there. I remember the Terry Nelson who stepped in see, front of the cameras and said, man, we are going to yes. drill these guys. Yeah, it was, it was. it's great for media, and it gives <laughs> you guys some clickbait and some sound bites. But, man, it chased me everywhere I go. You know, if, if, if I had a hand in it, if I was the one taking charges and rebounding, I would definitely give you a prediction. Okay. But All I don't right. want to put that pressure on guys that may or may not be ready. Okay, that's fair. I, that, that's fair. All right, T, thanks so much for your time. I know you're busy. Everybody and his brother wants to talk to you today about the game tomorrow. Enjoy the broadcast. Enjoy the game. And, man, thanks for your time. You're the best. Appreciate you, T. Good luck. All right, man. All right, all the best. God bless yeah. and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Uh, that guy, that, that dude, man. I mean, you know, there were other guys. They, I just can't tell you what it was like to be around that UC team back in those days. It, it, it was it was just unbelievable. You know, Hugs had four guys left from the Tony Yates era, and the team had 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 been placed on probation. And, and the four players that should never be forgotten in the history of UC basketball are those guys and Lewis Banks and Lavertus Robinson and Key Starks and the, for staying and finishing what they started. It was a huge recruiting class for Tony Yates, and those guys come in. He gets run, in comes hugs, school's on probation. Those guys were playing 39 minutes a game. It was unbelievable to watch those. Well, okay, now they leave, and hugs brings in a bunch of guys that were just hungry, and they were tough, and man, were they talented. And that group, that, that foursome, Terry Nelson, junior college from California. Corey Blunt, junior college from California. Uh, 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 God, why am I drawing? Eric Martin, junior college from California. Nick Van Exel, junior college, grew up in, in Wisconsin, junior college. I believe he was playing in Texas. And those four guys walk into gym. Well, the very first year they're there, the first year they are there, they go to the final four. The next year, they go to the Elite Eight, and they get jobbed by the officials in a Doba overtime loss to North Carolina to go to another Final Four. That was a special group, man. And Terry Nelson was, 
his stats would be fourth out of those four. But when it came to doing everything to help you win, he would be number one of those four. What he just talked about. You needed a rebound. He was 6'6", maybe, maybe, maybe not even that big. Guarding seven-footers. Guarding 6'9", 6'10", dudes. And he's out-rebounding. You got to take a charge. Nobody took more charges on that team than Nelson did. You need a big bucket, stick back, offensive rebound off a miss. He was there. A lot of people just know him now as the guy who broadcasts the games on radio for UC with Dan Horde. That dude was a gamer. Gamer. All right. Are you fired up for the game, Mr. Xavier Musketeer? Uh, fired up might not be the right word for it. Why is that? Still, Why still is ex- that? Well, listen, Tom, when, when you are just dominating, when, when it's not so much a rivalry as it is a relationship, it's just a relationship that they get to play every year and Xavier gets to beat up on the University of Cincinnati every single year. <laughs> you don't get too excited when it has the chance to reverse the other way. But like you said, it mentioned in the, the monologue, Tom, it's been a long time. Been a long, long time since the Bear Kittens have uh, won at Centos. Bear Kittens, you just called them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're little. They're, they're not cats. They're not full-grown. Yeah. They're little kittens. Little <laughs> kitty cats. Meow. Um, Tom, what years did you uh, call UC games? I was doing their games from 89 for at least 8, 9, 10 years. I mean, that was a different time in television and collegiate sports because – Channel 19 had the local rights to the UC games. It wasn't one of those deals where your conference signed these big packages with Fox or ESPN or whatever, uh, where they had basically exclusive rights to every game you play. You can get dumped off on ESPN Plus. You can be on ESPN, ESPN Two. You can get you know whatever, right? Well, back in those days, um, yes, there was a conference they were in, and I used to do that conference game of the week, the old Great Midwest Conference, Conference USA, all that kind of stuff when it started up. Um, But we were doing 17, 18 UC games a year. Really? We were doing an hour-long pregame show, had a big setup in the corner with, with, you know, uh, Dan Horde was a host of the pregame show, and, and, and we'd have all these different former UC players. Derek Dickey and I were doing the game, former UC NBA great Derek Dickey. He was my stepfather, Derek Dickey, ironically. Um, and, um, and then later, Anthony Buford came in. The Crosstown, and I don't say this because I was part of the broadcast, because after I left, Dan Horde was doing the game, so it was, it was just as good with him there, if not better than when I was here. But the presentation of the game for Cincinnatians, when a local channel did that game, was so far superior than an ESPN or FS1 or somebody like that really? coming in now to do it. Because really? the guys are coming in and it doesn't mean anything to them. Right, there's no passion. You know there. what I mean? Right. It doesn't mean anything to them. Um, and, you know, we were able to do an hour-long pregame show before the shootout, the presentation of the game. We would have just unlimited number of cameras. And David Ashbrock, who's still here in town, legendary producer-director, was doing those games. Um, it was so much fun, and they were so good. God, were they good. Man, were they good. And you talk about gamers. I remember they played at Indiana, uh, and Bobby Knight was still there. They played at Indiana in December. And Nick Van Exel came back and played three weeks after knee surgery. He could barely limp up and down the floor. But he was not going to miss that game 
against Bobby Knight and Indiana in really a game that meant nothing in December. But he came back and played in that game. I went to that game. Uh, those guys, man, were a different cat. You started talking about Final Fours, Tom. How many? Do you know how many UC has? Uh, I, I'm I, guessing I, like if I had to guess, I mean, I'm guessing. Uh, you're right there. Six. That's right. Six Final Fours. UC has two national championships. Two national championships. Reed, I, I'm just curious, and I don't know the answer to this. How many does How many does Xavier have? Um, probably about the same number of elite eights that you've witnessed the UC Bearcats go to in your lifetime. So yeah, zero. Um, zero. Tom, do you, do you notice a direct correlation in you calling UC basketball games? And since you have left the UC Bear Kittens have not beaten Xavier a whole lot. Are you part of, were you the reason that they were dominating that? Oh yeah, I had a lot to do with it. A lot of people are saying that on X.com, Tom. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Well, they better get a life. <laughs> uh, I mean, they had Huggy Bear running around the sidelines back in those days. But, boy, Xavier had some great coaches too, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, the Travis Steele thing, you know, whatever happened, happened. He's a good man. He did the best he could. I'm not going to sit here and beat him down. But, obviously, he had not lived up. I've always said he won the Crosstown a lot. There has never been, yeah, he did. I, there has never been um, a program in any sport, in my opinion. I, I really mean this. And, and I would challenge anybody to, to, to go find me one better. And I'm not saying that there isn't one better. But I would challenge anyone to show me a basketball program, college basketball program, that for the better part of 25 or 30 years, they never missed on a head coach. So I, Go back to, to Bob Stack, who really got – and there were people before him that did a nice job. But Stack really brought them into the modern era as we know Xavier basketball now. His recruiting, coaching, success, NCAA tournament appearances. Then it rolls right into hit, rolls right into Gillen. And it rolls right into Skip Prosser. And it rolls right into Thad Mata. And it rolls into Sean Miller. And it rolls into Chris Mack. And, you know, and all these guys. And, and, and all you have to do is look at what happened to every single one of those guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, they get swooped up by monster programs. Mata goes to Ohio State. Miller goes to Arizona. Uh, you know, on and on and on and on. Prosser goes to Wake in the ACC. Uh, uh, Gillen left here, I think, to go to Providence, I think. And then he wound up in Virginia, or maybe it was Virginia yeah. first, and I don't remember. But, I mean, they did a phenomenal job. Yeah, there's a lot of similarity, I think. Uh, and maybe this is a, it's a bad take, but I see a lot of similarity between what Xavier's done with their head coaches and what UC football has done. And it's kind of become like the – I know this is a bad phrase. I know everyone hates this phrase, but kind of a stepping stone, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at the you look, at, you look at the coaches that UC football has had, it's, it, it's pretty similar. D'Antonio to Brian Kelly to Butch Jones, and then there was Tommy Tupperville and, and that crew. That's right. But then it gets right back to Luke Fickle, and you can do the same thing with uh, Xavier. It goes Thad Mata, Skip Prosser – or Skip Prosser, Thad Mata, Sean Miller, Chris Mack, and, and so on and so forth. So I think there's a lot of similarity there. Tom, also, uh, the other question I had when you were telling that story about calling UC games is uh, there seemed to be an overlap with you calling Cubs games. How did, how did you manage that? Well, I mean, I was working. I had to work year-round at WGN in Chicago, but it's only a four-and-a-half you know, hour drive, and I didn't have to work every day at GN in the wintertime. I worked a lot, but not a ton because you just got finished doing 190 baseball games. So I'd do some Bears pregame and postgame time to time. I was doing the Jim Harbaugh show every week. We talked about that before. Uh, but, but, but no, so I would be able to, to just say to WGN, and we would do all our scheduling and all the guys who were around there. I mean, you think back to that sports department. 
And I had a chance to talk to the guy the other day, first time in a while. I mean, in that sports department for WGN Radio, Chuck Swirsky, who's legendary television or radio voice of the Chicago Bulls, has been for forever. Mm-hmm. Wayne Larrabee, right? Legendary voice of the Bears and now the last 20 years of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, those are the three guys you're doing a schedule with to figure out, okay, you're doing that morning drive, you're doing that afternoon drive, you're doing the Bears pregame. You know, Wayne was doing the Bears on radio at the time. But um, that's how we just figure it out. So I jump in a car, drive down here, really? you know, stay at my mom's, do two games in five days, turn around, right back. Really? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. They tell you you got to run into Chicago traffic, and then it ain't so cool. Do you want to make a prediction, or do you want to hold it for later? Uh, we will hold it for later. I will, I will, uh, tease this, that if Xavier wins, uh, be, be on the lookout for our YouTube channel. There might be a little bit of a surprise if the Xavier Musketeers win tomorrow. Um, they'll probably be underdogs at home. So it's not likely to happen because I mean, we all seen what UC looks like. They're probably a top, I don't know, 10, five, three team in the country. Xavier is probably one of the worst teams in the country. Does it seriously, does it ever end? No. I, he, you know, he's a walking bit, but he's trying his best, and that's all that matters. <clears throat> oh my God, I, hit, I hiccuped! I hiccuped. First time ever. That was well. That was a that was a spontaneous hiccup. I've never had that before. He's been hiccup free You've since two thousand three. That before. I've never had just one spontaneous lone hiccup. That was wild. Um, no, I think UC's going to win this game. This is the best chance we've we've ever had at Centos in my lifetime. We're going to win this game. I believe it. Now, Victor Locken has been the guy for UC this year. I'll be curious to see what he does with Xavier. He's not a traditional center. No, I think not. last last year he was thrown into that role because we really didn't have another option. But with Aziz being able to play, it frees him to be the power forward that he was meant to be. Uh, and he's almost averaging a double-double. So I think he is the key to the game for the Bearcats. If he can get it going down low. And he's been firing threes the yes, last he seven has. games. I think he's, he's been, shooting like 50% from three. He's been unbelievable. He yeah. can't hit a free throw, God love him. But he can hit threes. So I don't know. This, this game is going to be a very good game. I'm still debating on what the spread will be. I think it's going to be Xavier favored in this game. I do believe it. I That'd think, be awesome. What? That would be great. I think it's going to be Xavier minus one and a half. That's my guess for this spread. Why is uh, that line not out? It'll come out. College oh, bas- college, it comes a day before. College basketball, they normally, basketball lines, they come out, yeah, probably like 24 hours before. The one question I have, you, you mentioned Victor Locken. How can you be taken as a serious college basketball team when you got a bunch of Europeans on your team like UC has? Uh, that's fair. Time out. Say, no, no, no. It's not fair because y- you know the response to that should be. Well, I think who got has a, more European players? They've got way more Europeans. Way more. Tom. Thank you. Way more Thank Europeans. You. That's what I'm I, they've got. Listen, that Djokovic guy that everybody was telling me was the next coming of God. He's a tennis that, player. He is. He is a tennis player, and that's and they and unfortunately they're playing basketball. Tom, you can't you can't have the tennis player play basketball. It doesn't work. Fair enough. He was bad. He was bad against Delaware State University. He was really bad. I still think X is going to show up. Oh, they'll show up. I think think UC has a better team. It was was pointed out, and this is accurate, it was pointed out by Sean Connor in the chat, Bearcats' combined opponent's strength of defense is 337th. The Bearcats' strength of schedule is 320th. So they haven't played anybody. But, but, But they're blowing everybody out. Now, I don't know what that means. Michigan didn't play anybody for a long time, and they blew everybody out. And last time the I checked, they're going to the playoff, ranked number one in the country. Right? Right. right. So, um, uh, this uh, Xavier will show up. They have shown up against Houston, and they've shown up against Purdue. 
And they competed. Uh, you know, this is one of those, it seems to me, like you play to your level of competition. I think it's 100% other. the case. Yeah, right? I, I think Xavier will absolutely show up. This is going to be a close game. I would bet my life that the, the final score would be within five points. The winning score and the losing score will be within five points. It's going to be, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be an absolute dogfight. I want to know if Simus Lukosius is going to play uh, after he was unfortunately struck by a car in Clifton. I would like to know what his status would be. He was, he's been practicing. He's okay, hopefully. But, uh, again, that's just another player I'd like to have at my disposal against X. See, I strongly disagree with you guys. You guys think Xavier's going to show. I don't understand how Xavier even competes in this game. Once again, the Bearcats I mean, it are never top ends. five. I'm just tired of top it, Tom. When the, when the riders and the coaches get together it. and they rank the top 25 teams in the country, it's actually a shock. It, it, I'm, I'm in awe that the UC Bearcats aren't ranked number one. Um, I, I think they're cooking the books over there or something because they should be because that's how good they've looked. And when there's 300 and something teams in college basketball, Xavier's probably looked the dead last. They've looked dead last out of the 300-plus teams. So if UC loses this game, what an utter embarrassment that would be for the UC Bearcats. I, I honestly, like, I, I, as a Xavier fan, I hope that the Muskies win. I just don't see a path to victory for the Xavier Musketeers. That's a tired shtick. Uh, it really I, is a tired shtick. There's people slandering my guy, C.J. Frederick, in this chat. He's shooting 57% from three, 51% from the field. I don't know what you want him to do. And he's coming off his best game. He's coming off his best game. The dude's a beast. He's, he's one of the best shooters I've seen, one of the best sharp shooters, true shooters, that UC's had since, God knows, Sean Kilpatrick. I think uh, Justin Jennifer was good, too. But I, I, I'm just saying, if, you, if, if he's anywhere near open, he's making the three-point shot. He is. This UC team is good. This U team is giving me life. Top top five team in the country. You know, and, and you're wondering are they going to get this Reynolds kid back? Because now all of a sudden you've got the Ohio legislature involved along with a number of other states and attorney generals that are mm -hmm. filing lawsuits against the NCAA. Um, doesn't it make you well, – look, I don't care if you're the biggest Xavier fan on the planet or you just despise UC with every bone in your body. Okay, I don't care. It doesn't matter. But just try to place yourself in this situation, or let's just say it was your son, okay? And it's always interesting how we look at things differently when it's somebody else's kid as opposed to our kid. But, but, but getting to the Reynolds kid who still has not heard from the NCAA, according to Wes Miller, there were seven different the seven criteria you had to meet to be granted after a two-time transfer to be granted eligibility. According to Wes Miller, and, and there's, Wes Miller hadn't lied to anybody. There's no reason to believe he's lying to anybody now because somebody could catch him in this one for sure. That both kids, how are they pronouncing the big guy's name? Bond, how are they pronouncing his name? He's Bondago. Bondago, okay. He, that's, how I, that's how I do He was granted eligibility as we know. Um, two-time transfer, and they're still waiting on Reynolds. Could somebody please explain to me, if this is your kid, okay, um, what in the world is chewing up the time of the NCAA? Now, the first thing that comes to my mind is investigating Michigan, but I digress. <laughs> but it's got to be somebody, you know, they have to have different people for different situations, Okay, this isn't an investigation. This is an eligibility question. And there are rules that apply to that. How is it that there are, there are literally hundreds of people that work for the NCAA? 
And no one can make a decision about whether or not this kid's going to be given his eligibility. How does that happen? Here's the thing. You can they, go through bureaucracies like Procter & Gamble or General Electric with literally billions and seemingly billions of layers of bureaucracy. The United States government wouldn't take this long to make this kind of decision. Yeah, well, maybe they would, but they, they'd be neck and neck with the NCAA. They're the most competent group of individuals I've, I've ever seen. In competent? Incompetent. Oh. What, did I, what did I say? I don't know. Go on. Uh, the NCAA doesn't know what they're doing. And, and, and this isn't an out-of-bounds review at the end of a college basketball game. You don't get to just take forever. It's a yes or no. If you say no, that's fine, but we should have known that months ago, not, not in December, and we still don't even know the answer. It's December. They said December is when we'd find out. That's right. It's December 8th, Tom? Yep. Still don't know. Know nothing. Yep. Crazy. I mean, it's just ludicrous. Meanwhile, all around the country, kids are getting let go uh, day by every day. There's a new waiver that gets put through, and they let them just play whenever they want. So this is nonsensical by the NCAA. He better be he better be available at the end of December. He better be. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I don't I, I'm not keeping close tabs on this situation. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna walk me through. I'm, you're gonna walk me through this as I as I weed through this situation. And but I'm thinking here is this guy is now transferred twice, right? This is his second transfer. Correct. So according to the uh, the NCAA, you got to sit out a year, right? Well, That's there, the rules. there are exceptions that apply to this. It is a rule, but there are exceptions. Clearly, that's why Bondego is playing, because there are exceptions to that rule. And one of them has to do with, in Reynolds' case, when he transferred the second time, my understanding is, to Temple, right? Yeah. The Temple coach who recruited him was fired. Okay. So at that point, they, 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 they tend or they, they've given permission to a number of kids when something like that happens to allow them to then leave and he decided to leave temple and come to uc i didn't mean to interrupt you no that's, that's no that, that that weeds me through here because like my question is is you know we talked when it was about the michigan stuff about how you know there's a rule and they broke a rule i everyone knows the the transfer rules right if you transfer a second time you got to sit out a year so i guess i as someone who is uh, naive to the whole situation i don't understand what the big Hubble Blue is about, other than that he's going to be a star player and you want him to play. But from what I understand is you transfer a second time, you got to sit out a year. That's just what I've always known. Well, the, the, it, it, technically you're correct, but there are exceptions to it. It's not just a blanket statement that you transfer okay. two times and you got to sit out. Clearly we've seen that with, with, with the Bundego kid. He's transferred three times, twice, and on his third school. And he was granted eligibility to play this year after missing the first, whatever it was, handful of games on the season. Uh, and he'll be in the starting lineup tomorrow night. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, we have Kyle Kasky in studio. He's come all the way up here from Louisiana mm -hmm. to come to Hamilton, Ohio. How about that? Do you think do you <laughs> don't be careful? You so, don't be careful. You set me up. Can, can I can I tell a story about the the city of brotherly love, Hamilton, Ohio, the city yes, of sculpture? Yes. Is you, you make the you guys were about to make the joke about coming all the way up from Louisiana to visit Hamilton, Ohio. In the 1980s, the city of Hamilton officially changed its name from Hamilton to Hamilton with an exclamation point at the end. They put an exclamation point love at the end. Love it. An official name change, and the reason why they did that was to um, get more tourism. 
They thought they thought that was going to bring people to Hamilton. An exclamation point at the end of the name. It didn't last very long, but they actually thought that people were going to come to Hamilton just because it had an exclamation well, point. Well, I got to tell you right now, as much joking around as we do, uh, they've made a believer out of me around here in Hamilton because uh, the resurgence and yeah, rebirth of this downtown is fantastic. The, the job that I, I, I talked about it the other day, when I drive in in the morning, it's still dark out. Uh, and the job they've done de decorating and the lights up and down the street on the trees. And uh, it's a very festive place to come into. And they've got some good joints, fun joints. Yeah. Now. Wonderful. Can't wait to take you out night on the now, town, Tom. On the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you go to one of those music outdoor festivals in the summer. That's right. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. You know what? You know why, Tom? Do you know why? No. I hate this. I didn't want to do it. He did it. I, I'm just following his lead. I have He's the my power leader. to, I have so to mute follow. your guys' mics. No, you can't, you can't mute me. Here's the deal. Listen, that poor man <laughs> who was just seeing the cover band of ABBA. He's hanging. Pic picture him for a minute. Picture him. Okay. He's hanging out. Probably his favorite gal. Maybe his wife. Right. Whatever. After work, he just worked a hard week's right. work. Friday, man, let's let's get out. It was on the fourth of July. Too with my favorite girl. <laughs> it, was, it was on the fourth of July. Okay, and yeah. you, all you want to do is just unwind, mm. celebrate America, yeah. be thankful for all the incredible things that you have in your life, and there you are enjoying some music you're outside it's a beautiful night and kids, then, are, pl kids are playing cornhole the the flowers or the trees they're blooming it's a beautiful day in hamilton ohio and then bang <laughs> hit by a bullet <laughs> from the sky and that's what happened and again listen not all places have this and i think by the way Listen, I, I muted their mics. We don't need to hear any more of this. Listen, this is what I can do when I'm in charge over here. Both their mics are muted. Not a thing you can say. It's just me now. It's just me. They, they get a small timeout because they're talking about, about the city that I grew up in, and I'm not going to allow it to happen. So after they get their giggles out, I'll bring the camera, and I'll turn their mics back on, and I think, I think we're I ready to go. I didn't mean to go down that road. I really didn't. Elliot drags me into that road. No, Tom and, does it. And uh, we, we really do, in all seriousness. We love the reception we get. We come in here, walk up and down the street. People we meet, it's fantastic. Uh, the businesses here went to lunch here a couple weeks ago down the street at that brewery they got going on up on the roof. It was awesome. We had a good time. Great time. Great time. Uh, bummed we missed uh, Pumpkin Fest. Um, why are you laughing? I didn't miss it. It's you missed Operation it. Operation You Pumpkin. missed it. You didn't go. I guess I did. I was there. Reed he was. Elliot, Elliot did help set up something. Okay. Operation Pumpkin. I will be there next year. Take it to the bank. Um, okay, there were a couple things you said when I asked you. And by the way, again, Kyle Kasky coming in at 11 uh, to talk about the Bengals and the Jaguars this weekend. Army-Navy game is this weekend, by the way. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an, I just had a, a niece um, right. that just started at the Naval Academy in the fall. I can't wait to talk to her later today. Um, I, I don't know if she would be going to that game. Oh, aren't they playing it up at Gillette Stadium this year? I do not know. It used to be in Philadelphia every year, and I don't know why they started moving that game around. I think it's in, in uh, Foxborough, I think. But it's always an incredible game to watch, even if you know nothing about the two teams. Uh, the spirit, the patriotism, it's just unrivaled. So that'll be cool over the weekend. But Have you, you felt like yesterday um, that, that we still kind of left some meat on the bone with the, the, the Candelario signing and the Reds and all that kind of – right? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, well, before we do, um, did you ever, have you ever been to a Navy RV game? I have not. I have not. People say it's an incredible game. Yeah, but I still think that there was a a lot to unpack there. Listen, I think it's hard to uh, argue at this point and, and there are debates for other teams, but it'd be, it'd be truly hard to argue that, uh, no team has made has made uh, more splashes in, in in context to what their team is, right? Like obviously the Juan Soto trade to the yeah. Yankees is much bigger, but in context to where where your team has been and, and what your team has done in free agency over the past few years, I mean the the Reds have have made a definite stake to say, listen, we are not only ready, we're not only ready as an organization to go after this thing, but we're going to invest money into this team. We're going to, we're going to ride the wave of momentum. That was the, the hype that the Cincinnati Reds had this past season where they barely missed out on the postseason, finished third place, I think behind the Chicago Cubs. I'm not sure about that, but I digress. Um, (laughs) they, they, they have made some big moves, right? I mean, they've made two, you know, veteran arms and they say listen you're gonna you're gonna get us 180 innings 200 innings this year and then they got a bat and when you have some sophomores on the team when you have a bunch of rookies that played fantastic last year you need someone that you know as has experience and and has um you know what you're gonna get out of that lineup you know what you're gonna get out of that spot it's it's hard to argue that that jamer candelario is anything other than a professional hitter. I mean, yep. he's he's a borderline all-star. He hasn't been to the all-star game yet, but he's certainly a candidate for it every single year. And to have that in the middle of your lineup to kind of be a constant source of output of offensive ability is great. And, and, and he plays two positions, can, can fill three different lineup spots and first, third, and DH. So he, he does a lot for the team. And I, I, I can't state it enough how excited Reds fans should be after the year they had and, and after what the, the front office has shown. You know, when you brought this up today, and we were talking before the show, and I'm curious to hear, Elliot, you being a, a, a Reds big guy and you follow yeah. it, you're a big fan and everything. And, you know, and I said uh, to Reed this morning when we were in the studio, I, I said, you know, um, if I looked at De La Cruz, McLean, Steer, Encarnacion, Strand, and I'm leaving India out because he's he's has more experience. He all the rest of those guys were rookies last year, right? For me, and I understand from a talent standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, for the positional standpoint, and importance of defense and all those kinds of things. I understand why people would like the future of De La Cruz, the future of McLean, the the versatility of Steer. Encarnacion Strand basically is a first baseman and a DH, and that's it. He's played third, but that's what he is, yeah. right? Um, and it, it's all he's probably ever going to be. But if I had to bet big money, big money, on who's going to be the most potent offensive player of that group, just in terms of swinging the bat. De La Cruz can beat you with his legs, all those kinds of things. There ain't no way that if they have to trade a young player, it ain't going to be for me, Christian Encarnacion Strand. No. That dude's got 40 homer seasons written all over him for me. He does. And he's a gamer and he's tough, right? Yep. Humble. They all are humble, in fairness. They all seem to be really good kids. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, am I I to line? Would you feel the same way or you're like, no, Tom, I don't agree with that? No. The guys that are up here, I'm not trading. I'm not trading them. I saw Noel V. Marte was going to be traded. No, no, no. I saw Strand wanted to be traded. No, no, no. 
Spencer Steer. People have been calling for Spencer Steer's head. Trade him. We have guys that can be traded below that haven't yet proved it. These guys actually have proved it. Out of all the rookies that came up, you could argue, and you could argue that Ellie De La Cruz is had the worst season. He did. I don't think. I mean, I don't think that's a debate. No. I think he had the worst season. You're right. You don't know what all of these guys are yet, and as Tom said, it's about the future, right? I can see Strand hitting 40 home runs. I can see Ellie hitting 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases, and, and X amount of RBI, whatever. I can see all of them doing that. But you don't know until you see it for sure. I don't think signing Candelario is a bad deal. You get a for-sure bat. You get a veteran. You get somebody that can take control of a young clubhouse, that can show a little. I know everybody laughs at leadership, but he can. He can be a guy that <laughs> that's a locker room guy. I don't, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. And the biggest thing out of everything is that they're trying. Nick Crawl and the Reds are trying. You, it, it, Tom said it yesterday or two days ago, whenever it was. You don't get to pick and choose whether or not the Reds try. You say, I want the Reds to try and spend money. Okay, you're in that camp. But you can't go back and then say, well, I don't like Candelario. Well, it's, it's, no, it's, I think you can say you don't. I, I, I was thinking about that. and It's interesting. I'm glad you brought it up because I, I, you're right what I said yesterday. My feeling is you can't have it both ways. You can't beat them up like you just said for not spending money and then beat them up when they do. Now, you yeah. can say, and you're entitled to the opinion, that, hey, yeah, I think they're trying, but I don't like Candelario for reason X, Y, and Z. Sure, but you have to respect them for trying. Exactly. That's, that's my point. Yes. Because you can go, and you saw it last year, last offseason, they didn't try. Signing Kevin Newman isn't trying. Signing Kirk Casale isn't trying. You're just filling holes to throw guys out there on the field. This year, they are trying. They are not done yet. This move was calculated. I imagine there's going to be a move following. If they trade Strand, if they trade Noel V. Marte, I imagine this is all going on through Nick Crawl's mind right now. I imagine it's going to be calculated there, too. It's probably going to be for a starting pitcher, which I would like to see. Tom has mentioned the innings limit stuff that's going on with the team. I, I, I'm not going to bank on Hunter Green throwing 300 innings. I, He's not going to pitch 200 200 innings. innings. So it's like – I hope I'm wrong. I, I, want a vet, I want a veteran pitcher. That's all I want. I want a veteran starter, and then we're good to go. We're good to go here. Yeah, listen, I, you know, you, you talk about all these young guys, and, and one guy that he probably he, he definitely had the best year. He was, he was in the lineup every single day. Um, and I don't know, I, I think he should still be a part of the team, but one guy that I think maybe Reds fans, and, and this is coming from the guy that has watched the Reds the least amount in this room, that I think Reds fans are, are maybe a little higher than you should be on, is, uh, is Spencer Steer. And I know he was a great hitter. He's fantastic. He was every day, played four different, five different positions for the Cincinnati Reds. I just, I just, out of everybody that played for the Reds last year, his season seemed like an anomaly, right? You could very, I, at least I could, I could very much see Spencer Steer coming in next year, batting 230, hitting 14 home runs, and you throw him out there every day, and you're like, where was the Spencer Steer from last year? Just because I, he wasn't as highly touted as a prospect. He came up, and, and he's been fantastic. He had a great year. But I, I wonder if it's it's almost something similar to like you saw with a Jonathan India with a little more versatility in the field. You might call me crazy for saying that, hmm. but I, that's what I see at this very moment is is someone that that may have hit his peak already, and maybe I'm wrong. And I hope I am for Reds fans that he turns into a, a 30 year perennially player. 
But at this very moment, I, I, I just I can't see Spencer Steer getting better than what he was last year. In fact, I think it's very obvious that it will be there will be major regression this year. I don't think I don't like that argument a ton just because he's a rookie, right? I I, I have a hard time imagining. You can't always expect rookies to get better. No, no, that's true. But I I think he, he I Reed, Reed mentioned it last year. He's probably not the biggest power guy in the world, Spencer Steer. Maybe he's not going to go out there and hit 30 home runs. But I think he's a productive player. He's a utility player. He can play all around the diamond. I don't know. I, I think he can certainly get better. I, I, rookie, the rookie thing, they have so much room to grow. And, and they're getting on me in the chat for saying Ellie didn't have a good year. Ellie can be one of the best players in the sport. I'm not saying that. Give the guys a little bit of time. I get it. Give them some time. Spencer Steer, I think I, – I, I, Clay Snowden – on Chatterbox Red said T.J. Friedel might be in the same boat as Spencer Steer is what you're saying. Maybe this is the ceiling for T.J. Friedel. I, I could see that too. I and, think and maybe they are, but at least they've proven it to me that they can be at that level. Sure. If, if Spencer Steer Fair doesn't enough. get better than what he is, I'm happy with that. You know what? I, I think that's the point I was, I was going to make. I think Spencer Steer is going to be what he basically was when you put together his minor league seasons. You know, one year he's at single A and double A. Another year he's at double A and triple A. Then he comes up to the big leagues. I think Spencer Steer is going to be a guy with the Reds who is going to hit you 20 to 25 home runs. He's going to knock in. I know he knocked in 86 last year, but he's going to knock in 70 to 80 runs, basically. And he's going to hit two, anywhere from 255 to 275. He's going to have an on-base percentage. Let's see. I mean, you look back through his entire, you know, he's going to have an on-base percentage somewhere – uh, about 100 points higher than his batting average. He's going to be anywhere from 340 to 375. Yeah. That's a rock solid no doubt. winning player on potentially a championship team. He will not be your best player, but he will be one of your top five players. And if that's the production you're getting out of, I would challenge anybody to go out there and look for the teams that were good last year and look at their fourth or fifth best offensive player. And I would bet money, and I have no idea if this is true or not, but I, I'm guessing just having watched a lot of baseball, that their fourth or fifth best offensive player on championship teams is a guy that I basically just described in Spencer yeah. Steer. No, no, listen, there's no doubt about it that if he continues what he did in his rookie year, he's going to be a solid ball player. He's going to be a solid veteran, solid hitter for a decade. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about it. It's just, and I like watching Spencer Steer play. It's just, I, I, I feel like there's, there's not much room to grow there, which isn't a bad thing. And that's what you guys are alluding to is, is saying that it, he doesn't have to grow. It could be right there. Um, I, I likened him to Jonathan India. I, I told Trace and Sean before we did this shows back when Jonathan India was a rookie. I was like, listen, I wouldn't get um, married to this Jonathan India guy because his rookie season, he had his highest slugging percentage, higher slugging percentage than he had in college, had at any level in the minor leagues. I was like, this is not what Jonathan India is. So don't get married to this guy being like this. And I, in, in, a, in a world where people like to be like to say, I told you so, I, I would like to say, I, I told you so yeah. there. And I think Jonathan India is still a fine player. Listen, if, if, if Spencer Steer comes out next year, and he's exactly what he was this year, a, a very solid 270, 340, 460 hitter, and hits 25 home runs, please light me up. Like yeah. they say, Reed, you were, you were dead wrong about this. But also, if he comes out next year, and for the first two months he struggles mightily, and he's batting 220 with, with not a whole lot of pop in that bat, then 
just remember what I said here today on December 8th on Off the Bench. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, we have Kyle Kasky coming in in a matter of minutes to start talking about Cincinnati Bengals football. Uh, that Steeler game last night. Golly, oh, Tom. They're man. terrible. I, I, and I, believe me, I am sure that Mike Brown and Katie Brown and Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and every player that puts on that Bengal uniform, whether they're on the, the, the practice squad or whether they're a star, at some point in time last night, they're probably all watching that game. And they have to be asking themselves, how in the world did we lose to that team? Yeah, I mean, even more so in, in, a, in a week where the, the playoff hopes have been revitalized in, in small efforts. Think about where we'd be sitting right now if they did beat that team. Right? Yeah. You finally get a division win. You, you get another conference win. And you're sitting at, what would they be, 7-5 and five going into this game where you're favored against the Indianapolis Colts. And I, I've told all these Bengals fans, it's like, hey, don't get excited about any postseason hopes until, until if they win this game, then we can get excited. But golly, after the way that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have looked the past two weeks, they're the first team in National Football League history, history, to lose back-to-back -back games against uh, two teams under – Five, or eight games under 500 yep. as a, with a winning record. Yep. First team in history. They've looked absolutely abysmal. They still had a chance to win last night, but it shouldn't take that against the New England Patriots. Golly, Tom, it's it's despicable what, what happened there two weeks ago. There tough no sled. And they tough play, sled. Uh, you know, going to be tough sled. <laughs> they play three of four on the road to end the season as well. Yeah, they, the Steelers are done. They're done. Uh, they're not going to make it. Uh, they're going to limp into the finish line, and I cannot believe some of these people out there that are screaming and yelling. And look, I get upset. I understand getting upset. I, I totally get it. But these people saying that Mike Tomlin should be run, I mean, they're out of their oh, mind. Terrible. I mean, are you kidding me? Terrible. For that team to have been 7-4 and four at one time with that offense they're running out there, yep. they should have given that guy a lifetime contract. Now, now I do, I do uh, hold myself to the belief that if you stay longer than like a decade in, in a spot, you, who is that? Bill Parcells, that, that, that's his famous quote. Like if you stay longer than, than a decade, then your voice gets, yep. uh, gets muddled. And, and maybe that's the case with Mike Tomlin, but he's still just a damn good coach. And, I mean, he, he's a top 10 coach, maybe even top five coach in the National Football He's never had a losing season. He's never had a losing nope, season. not one. So I don't know. I mean, Steelers fans are, are a rabid fan base, and they, they deserve that because they've had a lot of success in their history. But, golly day, to say that you want to get rid of Mike Tomlin, I mean, that's just... Although they have, you know, look, um, I, you know, I, I will say that it's a faint beat, but I can understand a little bit the drum, a little bit beating. Because, yes, they've never had a losing season. Yes, he has been there a long, long time. But as far as the postseason is concerned, the Steelers have become completely irrelevant for a long time. Yeah. I mean, they had Big Ben. When he had it going on, they were as good as anybody around. But, you know, what? they won one Super Bowl with him there, if I'm not mistaken, right? They won two. Oh, won two. Yeah, that's right, two. Um, but since his last one, and that was in what year? Um, they won in 2008. They went to it in 2010. I yeah. believe – who did they lose to? They, did they, they lose to the Saints? Were they the team that played the Saints? I can't remember. But, but, but it's been – 14 seasons, right? Right. Since they've gotten to a Super Bowl. Their, their last playoff win. win was 2016. They went to the AFC Conference Championship. Right. That was when they beat the Bengals that year before, too, when they beat them. That wasn't that year, but it was yes, the next year. Yes, that was the last correct. time. That's how long it's been. 
when we think back to that game when Jeremy Hill fumbled the ball and the meltdown at the end, it was only one year after that was the last time the Steelers won a playoff game. So, hey, look, what have you done for me lately? All right. Uh, let me throw it to you guys for some ad reads. We got Kyle Kasky coming in, going to be talking a lot of Cincinnati Bengals over the final hour. We also have today our picks for the games this weekend. There's some good games this weekend. Kyle's going to help us in picks. Today good. Too. All right. Yep. Take it away, boys. All right. Let's bring it on over to me. Hey, first off, thank you for uh, for tuning in. Um, December eighth, I'm going to anoint it National Thank Your Producers Day. It's been a it's been a tough tough sledding without Casey McAllister here in the room, but it's fun learning all these things. So sorry for all the the slight. Slight mix-ups here, but recently, but we are, we just got talking about the Bengals. We're going to talk a lot about the Bengals here in the second half. So the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And the other ad that we have is, of course, our, our sponsor for water, Pawnee Water, which is made right across the street, um, makes their water using natural limestone filtration, not like the artificial processing that other waters use. It truly is the best tasting water in the world. Only one thing goes in the bottle. It's water. Go Seriously, go to the convenience stores, look at the bottles, look at the ingredients, because they all got to have an ingredients thing. It'll say water, saline solution, all this stuff. They're putting salt. They're putting all these other things in the bottles of water, not Pawnee. It's just water. They got a perfect pH level of 8 and uh, yeah, so that's that. And before we, we get into this second hour, we do have a couple super chats. I was going to say both these super chats are direct questions to Tom. Okay. So, so we will we will wait on the super chats here. Uh, also, apologies, guys. Yesterday we uh, we didn't get to the super chats. Uh, our our interviews kind of kind of took our focus away from that. So we apologize for not getting to the super chats. We'll have box lunch after today's show, um, and we we do have a new guest here in the room. And let me get the, the camera all queued up for that. Uh, we have Coach Kasky, who is the host of Kasky's Clicker. Um, Kyle. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, it's good to be here, man. I mean, this is the the studio, man. I've, I've seen it so many times on, uh, you know, on YouTube. But man, it's like being here. You know, it's, it's nice, man. This is, I mean, that's real wood back there, people. If, if y'all if y'all think that's just a background, that's real stuff, man. I mean, this is nice. Well, yeah, this is the best part of it. Is that I, I thought the same thing. That is not real wood. It is oh, not well, it fooled, it fooled this, me. Isn't that incredible? It, I, I mean, this is... This is I think that was Casey's dad who made yeah. that. And it's all... Let's, like, I thought those were real rocks. I thought those were real... Those, that was real wood. That's not. This is all a facade. Well, I'll tell you what. They're, 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 they fake me out. That's right. right? I mean, they fake me the, out, too. That, that play-action oh, yeah. fake got me, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, look at that. It's, it's a shout-out to Casey's dad for, for making that right there. Styrofoam. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the thing about Casey is, I mean, what, how long has he been out? For, like, three days now? Three days. He's he, Listen, I called him a couple days ago, and he was sick as can be. Like, I, I felt bad even talking to him on the phone because you could tell he was – taking all of his energy. Now he does feel better, but he didn't want to rush it back. So he, he took today off and, and we hope you get better. But I had a, uh, I was working with a coach and uh, he said his defensive coordinator at one point had, um, had cancer and was dying. And one of the other coaches came in and said, man, I don't feel good. So I'm gonna take the day off. And that coach goes, you know what? I'm dying of cancer and I haven't missed a day. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it made him feel bad. Casey, not, you know, not, I hope you feel better, but I mean, it'd be nice if you were in the, in the building. That's right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, listen, as I mentioned, December 8th is National Thank Your, Your Producers Day because uh, 
boy, I wish, I wish Casey, like I said, it is fun learning all this stuff. So I apologize for all the, the miscues here the past few days, the mics being off. You've done great. Well, thank you. I appreciate you <laughs> saying that, but I, I got to do better. Now, as Tom gets back into the saddle, we do have a couple of super chats, Tom. Oh boy. Um, directed directly sure at you. Tired. Go ahead. Uh, Tom, when we seen you at little Miami again, we can go to the brass ass afterwards. Well, Chad Waits said Little that. Miami would be the Little Miami Brewing Company. You saw Chad at the sits, Little Miami? Yes, it's right on the uh, Little Miami River. Great place to hang out outside, Is inside. Is that in Loveland? Good pizza in there, whole deal. In Milford. Milford. Milford, yeah. When I worked for 700, they read those ads nonstop. It was Little Miami, Little Miami. I, it's exact, and to a T, it's what you just said there. Yeah, they Ken were, Brew's their big Ken He's Brew in there is, all the Ken, time. I worked with Ken every Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. So the but, other, but the brass ass part, no, no, that ain't happening. But thanks for the invitation. <laughs> the other super chat came from Shytown Town Real Estate. Tom, send me your personal email so I can send you my weekly newsletter. Okay. I'd die a happy man if Tom trusted me to help his Chicago people. In all capital letters, he said, "Plug." He's trying to he's trying to drum up some business. He knows he knows you're a, a big wig up there in uh, in the city of sin that is Chicago. There's so. no doubt, no <laughs> doubt about it. Yep, they they're just beating down the door every time I come into town. They're trying to close the gates every time I close into, come into town, get near the town. All right. I want to uh, welcome Kyle Kasky. I know you, that you guys have already had a chance to chat, but it's great having you in here, man. Nice to see you in person. I know. It's, 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 cool, to be, it's cool to be back in the, in the city, man. I got back in yesterday and, uh, you know, driving. When you come over from CVG and you go, you get the cut in the hill and, and the whole city shows up and there was an indoor facility sitting there that I've never seen before. And, uh, you know, it was kind of cool seeing everything from a different perspective because I, I haven't been back i haven't been back cincinnati since probably uh spring of 21 maybe really? so it's been a few years and right. uh it was good to see the 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 city and how it's still i mean it's kicking it looks i mean really everything i saw I'm, i was staying with some friends in mount adams and I mean, just everything seems to be kind of still going as it was going, maybe even better now. Yeah, it know. is. It's been going great. Mount Adams is a good place to hang out in, by the way. I'll yeah. be there tomorrow. I am the Grand Marshal for one of the great events in this city every single year, and that is the Rain Dog Parade. Are you going to be waking up tomorrow um, morning in Mount Adams? I'm going to be. I'm going to blow your mind with what I'm about to tell you. I just got asked to be a judge in the Rain Dog You're Parade. You're kidding me. Yeah, so I'll be up there with you tomorrow. All right. That's <laughs> awesome. Everybody, come on up there. It's unbelievable what up there. What is the Rain Dog Parade? Rain Dog is, is, is it's a parade. You bring your dog, dogs, plural, right? Mm -hmm. You dress them up, and you, and, and you don't have to dress them up. But they have a number of different categories, you know, like Kyle's going to be judging, say one of them, uh, the, uh, the best costume, another one, and they have different weight classes, right? So, you know, the under 20 pounds, 20 to 50, 50 and up. I mean, some of them, the big dogs, you know, they're, they're, they're pulling babies, you know, in the family in a covered wagon, St. Bernard's <laughs> and stuff. I mean, it's, it is really one of the best events in this town every single year. It's just awesome. People in a great mood. They, they, they raise a lot of money for uh, an animal rescue, I think, out in Batavia. And, uh, and I am honored uh, for a number of years now to have been the Grand Marshal of the Rain Dog Parade. So I'm fired up. That's tomorrow morning. Come on up. Bring your dog. Try to get dressed up. You can have a cocktail at the Blind Lemon afterwards, a little lunch at the Bar and Grill. Nice. Dialed in. Nice. Uh, I'm curious, you know, Kyle, you, for those who don't know, you, you, you played at Texas A&M, major college football. You coached major division one football. You coached in the NFL for a long, long time, including here with the Bengals as a running backs coach, assistant offensive line coach. You, one thing that just struck me, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion, because it was, it was a big deal around here for a long time. In all the years, of 25 years I announced the NFL, every team except for Tampa Bay, and they don't need one, had an indoor practice facility. Yeah. How big of a deal is that 
for, for an NFL team to have a place you can go when the weather stinks inside to practice? Well, I, th I think they have to have that because the problem is, is you're, you're up here and obviously it gets cold at the end of this. I mean, you know, it's a nice day outside today, but I mean, it, this thing could turn at any point. And then there were days uh, when we were making the playoffs there from 2011 through 15. Uh, I remember, I think it was 14 because we were playing the Colts in the, in the first round and uh, it was the weather was so bad, and we actually we went up and spent the entire week of practice at UC's bubble that they put over the rugby field or whatever it is up there. And it it was you know it's not a big deal. We traveled up there, but um, the problem we had was if if UC was still playing, we couldn't get up there to to work out in in that bubble, and that's why there were some there were some practices in late November and early December when they were still playing that we would have to, I mean, our game field was our indoor facility. And, it, you know, technically you had to go through a door to get in there, I guess. But, it, I mean, the, the guys hated practicing on the turf. The guys hate it. I'm just telling you the bottom line now, the indoor facilities, I get it, are turf. But you do that when you have to. That's why you don't see them going in there all the time. Like, I believe yesterday they were outside practicing. Nice day. It's cool. But uh, when I was in Detroit, Matt Patricia did not want to practice in the indoor facility. We were going to practice outside at all costs. I think Belichick does the same thing because the older linemen, for sure, they, they want to be on the grass. But if the weather is so bad that you're going to be out there pulling hamstrings because it's cold and your guys are going to get cold over time, and having the indoor facility to be able to have, have a healthy, good work and actually get the work in, uh, it's, it's a big deal. And I think, you know, there were times it hurt us. Uh, I really do. Um, we, we, we never really had any bad injuries come out of it, but there were a lot of guys that you could just tell weren't at their top level of performance for that day in practice yeah yeah I, I don't think there's any doubt about it and I mean there's a reason why everybody else had one and the Bengals didn't and, and you know you can you can say there has to be some kind of direct correlation between not winning in the postseason when you're practicing outside and it's 15 degrees half the time in in, mm -hmm. in January or December or whatever um you're over I mean obviously you had the show um uh breaking down the the the, the Jaguars game and, and the Bengals look so good in that game now moving forward have your expectations of this team changed? Yes, and I, the reason I'm saying that is because Jake Browning, we all knew that he was a good, a good player in high school, college, but you got to remember that the guy went to Minnesota, he played behind Kirk Cousins, and then he came, he came here, he's been playing behind Burrow, hadn't really had a chance. I, I don't think it's the fact that he's not good enough to play. I think right now he would start for 10 teams in the league right now, and, and that counts the ones that are having backups. I think he's better than those other backups that are playing a lot of these teams. Uh, what he did the other day, you could tell after the Steelers game, he went in and watched himself. You could see differences. He wasn't staring down receivers. Uh, they got him on the move a little bit. I promise you, he went in and said, Coach, I don't like this package of plays. Can we go to this quicker package or this naked package? And uh, you could tell that there was something different with what they did with him. And if they can do that from a week-in, week-out basis, I'm not saying do the same game plan because you got to they're, they're going to now game plan him. But – um, if he plays half as good as he did the other day, because he was he played out of his mind the other day, if he plays half as good as he did. Uh, this team's back to having a chance now, and and the, you got to remember, the rest of the team hasn't changed. That, that's the thing everybody forgets. Yes, you lost your best player. I get it, but the rest of the team hasn't changed. Uh, are we going to walk through some plays today? What are they, we, forgive me for not knowing this. I apologize. Uh, no, it's all right. It's all right. We had a, we had a shotgun start to the to the show, so uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're throwing it together as we can. Yes, Kyle came prepared. He has uh, a couple of plays uh, to preview, kind of what the Colts are going to do. And I don't want to speak for Kyle on this, but uh, we do have some plays. If Kyle, yes. you want to go through, the, you want right, to go through Kyle, the Kyle, offense. Take it away. Defense. The stage you, is yours, my man. I'll tell you what. Just just let them roll. Is this offense or defense we're looking at? Which here? would you prefer? 
Uh, go ahead and throw the offense up if you can, the Colts right. offense preview. Hang on, let me get it all ready. All right, let's start. Before you get into this, you know, uh, and, and I know they've played Carolina and New England and Tampa Bay and some of these teams that, yep. that are just terrible. But they're scoring some points. They are. And here's a, cra- here's a stat, though, about this team. They are 5-1 and one on the road. They're 2-4 and four at home. And – I mean, they've lost to some – they lost to the Rams, the Saints, the Browns at home, the Jags. They've lost to the Jags twice. But like you said, I mean, on the road, they beat Tampa. They beat, uh, they beat New England and Germany. That's technically on the road. Tennessee with two block punts. I mean, it's just like they're, they're, they're winning games in very odd fashions, but they're, they are scoring a lot of it. And Gardner, Gardner Minshew is a good player. Gardner Minshew was a starter for in Jacksonville before Trevor Lawrence showed up which I think most teams would kick that quarterback, whoever, it doesn't matter most teams. But, uh, you, you know, and again, that's kind of where they're at. Is this, is this up and going here? Yeah, we're ready to roll. All right, so uh, I got a few, a few run plays here. This is Zach Moss. Obviously, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I don't believe, is playing uh, for a couple more weeks. But this Zach Moss kid, man, he's not bad. He, he's got good vision. This is just duo. And, and, and you'll see these. They'll go from the sideline to the end zone here on the all-22. But uh, they got their entire team in here. And watch this all bunch up. And then he finds his way through the backside here. And that's one of those things, man. I mean, a lot of running backs don't, aren't able to make that backside cut all the way back like that on, on, on duo. And, again, if you watch this, they got a humongous offensive line. Um, their offensive line are big. They've got some high, high draft picks on there. But they're going to pull their tackle here. And you, you'll see this from the end zone. And just watch. Don't watch necessarily the right tackle pulling. But watch the, the left guard, center, and right guard. And just they just consume – uh, I believe this is Tampa. They just consume those guys, and you got big bodies on big bodies. And, and again, I, that's what they're going to try to do in the run game. Uh, now, Minshew, what, what, what is Minshew known for, for? I mean, I think this is what I thought he was. I thought he was known for as a scrambler. Like, so if you just watch this, these are broken plays. These are the big plays, but he's scrambling around here, you know, and, and ends up making a big play. And I believe, uh, you know, most of these guys that you're going to see, I don't even, here's the crazy thing I don't even have Michael Pittman on this on this cut up mm-hmm. and, and he's, he's the best receiver they've got, obviously, but they've got a bunch of guys making plays. They got a guy from UC, uh, Alex Pierce, yep. Alec oh, Pierce. Yeah. I mean, he's, that guy's making plays. Yes, he is. And, but I mean, this is the kind of stuff that the Bengals have got to be good at uh, coming on Sunday is if they're in man coverage, you cannot. And here's, this is the exact same thing right here coming up is this, it's just a, a scramble, but watch the offensive line on this play. Um, and how, how long they hold up. This is what the, the secondary cannot allow to happen. They have to hold their coverages because this dude's going to run, run around and he's going to do some things that, you know, and, and the Patriots, man, I mean, right there, there's not, a, it's not a great rush. A guy falls down. But again, the, holding your, your, your coverage in the back end because these scramble drills are real now. I mean, it, and it, I'm telling you, when you got a guy like Minshew, you, you practice this on a regular basis. This is not something that, uh, you know, you just hope happens. Like, this stuff is practiced. You see how guys are going deep. Some guys are coming forward. Some guys are running across. Um, those kind of things. Now, I threw this one on there because this, the, uh, this is the reverse uh, pitch back throw to the tight end. Uh, they do have some trick plays. And I've seen, I've seen some. Everybody's, everybody seems to be running this play right now. Texas scored on it in the Big 12 mm-hmm. championship. Uh, you know, it's, it's you know they've, but they've got some of this stuff with uh, – with this team. And again, you can do that with that big of a line. And when you have the run game going, you can run those type of plays um, because guys are going to be biting up. 
If uh, you need me to run run through any plays again, just let no, me know. No, I'm, I'm good right here. So if you watch down here at the bottom, uh, this is Alec Pierce uh, down here at the bottom. He's going to run an inside release fade. So I, I had to throw in the UC guy here. Um, but, he, man, he's making some plays. So, I, I, you know, him he had over 100 yards. I think he had right at 100 yards in this game. Um, that was quite a few of them right there. But, again, you know, I think a guy like that, you know, coming back to, you know, where he played college ball, which obviously isn't that far away from where he's playing pro ball, but um, – which is kind of one of the things uh, Paul for just saying. That's one of the things that doesn't make a, a whole lot, of, a lot of, not a lot of people think about. But they don't have to fly to this. You know what I'm saying? This is just a bus ride game. They still come over the day before and all that. But like the travel for the away team in this series is is probably one of the easier. Yeah. Like I mean, you really you, there's there are some some games where the travel will you know kind of whip you a little bit. This one uh, you're going to get a fresh team from Indianapolis, obviously, but. It's one of those things where it's, it's such an easy drive down 74 that, you know, it's not that big a deal. No, but, it's a real easy one. Um, all right, the last two I got are sacks. And this is kind of some stuff you can you, – when you got the really big O-line, uh, the movement sometimes – you can watch these pick games. The movement, if, they, if the Bengals can figure out a way to get some of this movement, which they do all the time, and get those big guys inside to pick for those out, those, those uh, DNs they've got, you know, and Hubbard Hendrickson, uh, Miles Murphy – and get guys to come around like this. I mean, the, the big guys, those big linemen have a hard time with that kind of movement. And really, this is this is the same thing. They end up with a running back on a D lineman. And I, I, I don't I think this might be Zach Moss, but this running back doesn't give any effort. Because I always told the running backs, listen, you are firemen behind there. If there's a fire, you got to put it out. Whether you want to put it out or not, uh, you got to put it out. But I want you to watch this running back here. Um, he comes across, and he'll come to the right. And the uh, the D lineman's gonna stunt back around to the right, and he doesn't want anything to do with him. Nope, not touching him. But so that's what I got for the offense. I think that the biggest thing, like I mentioned, is the run game with the big lineman. Just you know, and and the Bengals have, for the most part, the scheme takes care of the run. They got to make the plays. There's been too many mistakes. Who's not making the plays? Because a lot's been made up. People are beating up Jermaine Pratt. Uh, people have said Wilson, you know, outside of picks here and there, is not playing as well. From When you're watching game film, is that accurate or inaccurate? I, I think they're not playing to the level they played at last okay. year or the years before. But, they, yes, they are. there are some times they're not making the plays like they've made. I think it's more the young safeties, some of the corners. There's been so much uh, movement in the back end of, of the Bengals' secondary that a lot of these guys don't haven't played together for full, you know, for games and games on games on games. You know, you've had either a corner out, you've got safeties change, and you got. So I think once they do that, it's the the run fits and things like that that are kind of not meshing like they have been in the past. And 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 that's where they've just got to, if they stay sound in what they're doing with the run game, then the next thing is is Minshew can't can't do those broken plays. I I don't think the Colts have the the talent to beat the Bengals. If they just line up and just are running, it's going to be those type of plays that are going to beat the Bengals if it happens. Okay, uh, we go uh, on defensive side next. Yep. Yeah, I got, got okay. I got five plays here. Okay. This will be uh, quick. I, I just want to point this out. So the the play, the first two plays I've got are are both forms of duo. So these are the straightforward double team runs, and this is what Mixon has been good at. And then Chase Brown showed the other day he can do this too. But if if they can just get on. A body on a body like like they've been doing. In this last game, the old line, man, you, they, they got juiced up because they finally ran the ball 31 yeah. times. But that's, a, that's the same exact play that the Bengals run five, six times a game when they, like in this last game. They probably ran that more than that. And then here's Derrick Henry running basically the same play. They, they're doing a reverse uh, – not a reverse, but an opposite side mesh with the quarterback. But he's really 
doing the same play. And you can see this corner from the end zone, the corner he's running around right there. Uh, he wanted nothing to do with Derrick Henry. And I'm not saying Joe Mixon and Chase Brown are Derrick Henry by any means, but uh, I think you, if you look at this, he, he didn't want anything to do with that. And if you can get those running backs on a corner, I think you're going to be okay in this game. Um, the last three I got here are sacks. And, and one of the things that, 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 that the Bengals offensive line is going to have to play to is they do these pick games. And you'll see right here, uh, they're, they're from, the, from the end zone, you'll see they're really just kind of, they're running in between guys trying to pick. And it's like they just keep going and keep pushing. And, and you'll see out here on the right as we look at it, um, you see how they just kind of push up through, push mm -hmm. up through, push up through, and then the, it all collapses. Uh, you just got to be able to handle that and not get pushed back as much as they're getting pushed back. Because I think with Browning, he can make those throws if he's given a chance. Uh, this is an up and under on the left tackle. And this is where, um, uh, you know, Orlando Brown, I don't know. Somebody told me he might have had a groin injury or something yes. a few weeks back. And yeah. um, yep. he looked better in this last game. But this is one of those things when you like the, on the left tackle here on the left side, you'll see he kind of up and unders him right here. And that's it's that's where a guy maybe if he's not if his, you know, anchors not there as much they could have issues with. And if you watch here, this 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 last play, there's going to be a what I call a TE. So the defense on the left side of the offense. So the tackle's going to go first and the end's going to loop inside. And then uh, it's just a, a butt whipping here on the on the right tackle. And again, they, they've got guys that can do that. Uh, whether or not the Bengals can hold up, if you see like right there, just it's just the pick games, the one-arm bulls. Uh, there's nothing that they do that's spectacular up front, but they've got some good players. DeForest Buckner's still playing. I yeah. mean, you know, some of these other guys, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've got a list of names here I've never really heard of as much, but uh, Dayu Ode and Ingbo, boy, I killed that one. Good for you. Good for you. That was great. That was Taekwon Lewis from Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, Samson Ekubam. Yeah. Ebukam. See, and then DeForest, but those guys, like those guys, stood out to me. I thought the D line stood out to me. The rest of the guys, nothing really stood out to me. They used to have some good safeties there, and uh, with with obviously they had Shaq Leonard, uh, mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, uh, he changed his name. There he go. He did change it to Shaq Leonard, didn't he? Yeah, be Darius yeah. Leonard. Yeah, yeah Shaq Leonard. But he, you know, they let him go, so you know they're playing with some backups at the linebacker position. All right. So if you are, you know, if you were uh, challenged with the task of putting together a game plan, and like you said, with different teams and their strengths and weaknesses, you're going to be playing. You know, Jacksonville's defense is different than Indianapolis's defense. It'll be different than Minnesota's defense next week. But when, when you look at this thing, you would you would think that we would be looking for what in terms of a game plan for the Bengals this week. I offensively. Think, I think offensively with the, the O-line that the Bengals have versus that D-line, uh, like I showed you, some of those, those straightforward plays, they, they don't have just humongous dudes in, in, in the middle. So you can double-team those guys and get them out of there. So I would assume that you'd see a, a few more of those just straightforward. I know everybody goes, man, all these just dive plays. But a lot of times those, those dive plays or duo plays, they do them because they, they – they got guys you can move and guys you can you can cover up and then let your running backs do it. And I think with Chase, the emergence of Chase Brown last week, um, being able to make some plays, those are going to be the guys that uh, you know you you cover them up and let the running backs make make the linebacker. The running backs block the linebackers. Let them do handle that. Um, and then pass wise, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a little bit more of just uh, you know rolling him out naked. Uh, you know possible. Uh, kind of move like outside zone play actions where it moves the pocket over a little yep. bit to where it's not just dropping straight back. And, and that's where I think uh, 
they get they've gotten with Burrow. They kind of got into such a thing where okay, well, I just want to drop him back, let him throw, let him throw, and, and it got you know it got to the point where you could just pin your ears back and go at him. But if you move the pocket a little bit, it's a little harder. So you might be seeing a little bit more of that. Just to because my my first my first thing if as a as a game plan the game plan would be protect the quarterback, make sure he's taken care of because he's the guy you need to play well, and get the run game is number one. Get it going. Number two is what protection schemes fit that best based on the run game and then based on what he's comfortable with. And it seemed like he was comfortable with moving around. Gentlemen? Well, I have a, I have a question. So, we'll, we'll bring, um, you know, Kyle, in the preseason, when you're doing your shows, I was, I was producing them, you talked a lot about Chase Brown, you know, the mm -hmm. rookie running back, and we obviously haven't seen him a whole lot. But you you saw some some tape on him in the, in the preseason, and you liked what he was showing in the, in the preseason. And obviously he had kind of a breakout game on Monday night. We finally got to see him run the ball, and he, and he, and he played pretty well. What did you see from, from Chase on, uh, on Monday's game? I saw a kid that came in and didn't hesitate. And, and it was it, a lot of times if you haven't run the ball that much or you haven't played that much, there, there's some hesitation where he gets the ball and he wants to kind of think about it too much. He just hit it and then let his athleticism take over. He knew where the, he knew where the, the, the play was targeted. He knew where his, his aiming point was. And uh, I, I, didn't see, I didn't see any hesitation in what he was doing. And I think that's where uh, if Mixon has had a – if there's a knock on Mixon earlier in the year, I think it was the fact that – he knew he wasn't going to be getting the ball very much, so he wanted to make every play a big play, and he was probably thinking about it too much. Mm. The last few weeks, I think with Mixon and with Chase Brown, like especially the other night, I felt like those guys weren't thinking about it. They were just hitting it. And I, I don't know if that came from maybe some sort of uh, the, the coaching staff told them, listen, guys, we will run the ball today and, and just get what you can get, and they will we'll, we'll keep going. Because there, there is a point where – if, if you go in and, and you'll kind of guarantee to those backs and those linemen, guys, we're, we're going to run the ball 20 times. I don't care what happens. We'll run mm -hmm. the ball 20 times. They, they will come out with a different mindset. But no you, doubt. I mean, you know, you, you predicted this was going to happen last night, and it's exactly what we saw. Ezekiel Elliott, okay, he's not Ezekiel Elliott of, uh, of days gone by, but, but nobody can make me believe, and, and, I, and I think this is what I hear you saying. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, New England made the decision that Ezekiel Elliott got 22 carries in a game last night mm -hmm. for not even 70 yards, right at 70 yards, 68 yards, something like that. Three yards, you know, the carry, but a cloud of dust stuff. But that had to coincide somewhere along the line of Zappi being able to throw three touchdown passes. And it does because, again, it, it, takes, it takes Pittsburgh's uh, rush that you saw against the Bengals when they ran it eight times. Because I promise you this, Bill Belichick uh, and those guys saw – uh, Bill O'Brien, they saw the eight rushes versus those guys, and they said, man, we can't have these guys pinning their ears back and just doing pass rush stunts the entire game and saying, okay, cool, you just if you get a run here and there because we stun out of our gap uh, like they did against the Bengals, they said, no, we're going to run the ball, and if you guys want to do these pass rush stunts, cool, we'll keep running it, we'll keep running it. But then it slowed them down, made them bring a guy into the box, and when you take a defensive back out of – I wouldn't say out of coverage, but if you bring them down to the box to help out, it does open up. The pass game. I mean, it's bottom. I mean, it, people always say it, and it's it's. They, they go, oh, that's just the running back coach wanting to run the ball. No, it, it it really does. It it takes people out of the mindset of coverage. They may still be in coverage, but their mind isn't there initially, and then they've got to click into it after a play action happens or something. So yeah, that's exactly what happens. So, well, I, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the other question that I had, and and I've never have called a football game. I've I never played a high level of football and play a lot of Madden. But uh, other than that, oh um, you know, God. the first eight, 
It's all, it's all joke time. Um, you know, the first eight passes that Jake Browning had were thrown behind the line, like, right? Like, yep. the first – was that – more of a just to get him kind of going, kind of get him comfortable and throwing the ball? Or was that kind of by design? And, and, and I know you're not in exactly Zach Taylor's mindset, but you, you've been in offensive rooms before. Or is that kind of a, kind of a rope-a-dope to kind of draw in the secondary to get him closer to the line, then you start going over top? Uh, it's a little bit of both. And I think number one is when you've got a new quarterback like he had, you do want him to get into a into a rhythm, and we didn't just we did that with Andy and uh, you know AJ Green and Jermaine Gresham, those guys, because like we would come in and, and we'd say, okay, we're just going to throw a hitch to AJ Green for the first two or three throws we throw to him, just to get him the ball and let him run, as opposed to trying to throw it deep on him at the beginning. And then uh, the first, uh, I'd say those first few plays, I think there were some screens, there were some yeah. wide receiver screens, there was a screen to Mixon. Um, you know, you, you do that to get not only the quarterback comfortable. You do that to get the other guys kind of moving, and it moves the ball maybe because you don't feel you can run the ball yet, you know. But it, then again, like you said, it kind of loosens that up to, uh, you know, bring those guys down. Okay, they're not throwing deep today, and then you hit them on one or two. Then mm -hmm. you know, like the the chase throw. I mean, Chase just ran past him, right. uh, and but they were screwed up though. I mean, they they had a they had a major bust over there. They were they had like their entire team over on the other side. And then that safety tried to run back. So something wasn't right, but they took the, the good thing, for the credit for Browning and, and those guys, they took advantage of it. Yeah. I, my question was, a lot of the fan base, including myself, early on we were calling for Chase Brown to get involved. We were, we were calling for more of a run game. And there's, there's, a, there's a reason why there are coaches and there are fans. Coaches know what they're doing, fans do not. But it, it doesn't stop us from on X.com firing off fire Zach Taylor because he doesn't know what he's doing with these play calls. What was the disconnect? Why did they not utilize Chase Brown hardly at all for the first 10 weeks, 11 weeks, and then suddenly, boom, 10 carries? Uh, I, for one, I think, what was he? He, he was, was out for a couple he, weeks. He was out for a couple weeks. weeks. Okay, yes. but, yeah. That, yeah. That, but the one. first six or seven, eight weeks of the season, uh, he, he, was, he was healthy. You're, you're talking about having Mixon, Travion Williams, those guys. Um, and, and I think there's probably one of those deals where it's like, okay, we're going to let Mixon get, get, get in his bag for a little bit and see if he can do – what Mixon can do, and I think everybody was start, you know, saw, you know, Joe, every once in a while shows that spark of what he's what he could yep. be. And I think they were trying to push Joe into being that that again, and then you know it kind of you know they hit a you know kind of a, a dry spell there for a while. And I think there is a point where I'm not going to say that Zach Taylor sitting there listening to the fans on on X and, mm -hmm. and out there, but it, I think though he he sees it and says, "Come on, okay, let's give this kid a shot, yeah. Joe. We're going to give him." Uh, 10 carries, but here's the thing. We're also going to give you 10 plus carries too, and we're going to throw you some screens. And it keeps, I hate to say you got to, you got to like love them up to make them want to play. Yeah. But at the same time, these are professional athletes sure. that get paid off of their performances. And Joe, Joe Mixon still wants another contract after this at some point. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So he's still, he's, he doesn't want to just be, you know, sent to the back of the line and say, oh, you know, we got these new guys. So that, I think, they saw it. They said, listen, we're going to use this guy in certain situations. And I brought this up before is you don't have to necessarily run every player on the same play. You can say, okay, outside zones are going to Chase Brown and we'll yeah. put uh, 11 personnel 30, 11 30. We'll call it that. And that way we call 11 personnel, but number 30 is in it running back, 11 28. And, and you know, on that play, the sideline, the running back coach, you hear 11-28, you throw Mixon in. You hear 11-30, you throw Chase Brown in. Yeah. yeah. You also said, you said earlier on, you, your expectations have changed after watching Monday night's game. Uh, the Bengals right now, and I don't, I don't know how many people know this, they would be in the current playoff picture. If they beat the Colts, 
the Jets beat the Texans and the Chargers beat the Broncos, they're in the playoff picture this week. They're in the, they're in the playoff picture on Sunday. Can this Bengals team win a playoff game? I, I think they can because here's the thing. They just beat on the road a playoff team Yeah, that, that's probably going to host a playoff game. They, they, they just beat a, a team that's going to host a playoff game in their stadium on a Monday night game where they haven't played a Monday night game in 13 years. Yeah. I, I was there in Jacksonville. I can tell you, even on a ba our bad year in 2021, the fans in Jacksonville still showed up. They were still good. But for to go in front of that crowd that's juiced up, mm -hmm. that's been drinking all day down there in Jacksonville and having a good old time, <laughs> they, they, they're gonna, they, for them to go in there and, and do what they did the other night, yeah, it was an overtime victory, but that's an overtime victory versus a team that, for the most part of that game, played with their number one quarterback. Yeah. I mean, when you sit there and you look at and the question you just asked, right, and, 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 you know, you look at teams like the Colts or the Texans, who right now are ahead of the, the, the Bengals. Uh, you know, you, the, the top dogs, Miami uh, one, Baltimore two, Bengals have lost to Baltimore twice, second time, you know, Burrow gets knocked out for the season. We're going to find out, they've already done it against Jacksonville, we're going to find out uh, if they can do it against Kansas City. Because, I mean, based on – and, again, it's only one game. Just like it was only one game, they did not look good on offense against Pittsburgh. They looked terrible. The game plan was terrible. The execution was terrible. They were not, they were not good. So you can't put a ton of judgment into that because, as we saw, you know, eight days later, they look like one of the best offensive teams in the league. They're running it for a buck fifty. They're throwing it for three fifty. They, they got it going on. Um, so, you know, where it's going from here on out, I don't know. But we're going to find out when they go to Kansas City. Can they compete with a Kansas City team? I think everybody right now agrees. Kansas City is a good team. I don't think Kansas City's a great team. They're better on defense. They, they, they still got Kelsey. They still got Mahomes. No doubt. But they're averaging over eight points fewer per game this season than they did last season. Yep. So, you know – None of these games are, are – I'm not going to say any of them are winnable, and I'm not going to say any of them are unwinnable for this team because I don't know what you're going to get. It, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be – it's going to be that thing where in the first quarter on Sunday, you're going to see what this team probably really is because I think the Jacksonville team didn't expect what happened. I mean, it was just one of those things. They, I think Jacksonville expected the Bengals to come in and roll over. Um, I didn't expect that because I think there's too many – competitors that yeah. are still playing now all of a sudden you just gave life to a team especially after last night with the Steelers losing all of a sudden there's life breathed into this team that wasn't there you know 10 days ago and now it's but I think once the first quarter starts and you see okay this is where this is what they're going to try to do you know if they go the whole first quarter and run the ball one time you know and and it's and that's what you get and there's kind of like meandering in the past game that's going to be tough to watch. But if they come out, get get a few runs, get some play actions and screens going like they did the other day, but make it fit what works against Indy, because that's the thing. You can still run the same style of plays. I mean, the really good teams run the same style of yeah. offense, but they run the plays that work against that team. But you, you don't have to go away from what you did the other day. And I think uh, you see that. And, and I think, too, the, the crowd's going to be – that was what I was a little worried about. And I know Cincinnati crowds can be uh, – have been better lately, but – I know when I was here, you know, we'd, we'd win through 2015, then 16 would come, they'd be pumped up for a little while, and then all of a sudden, like, there would be nobody at the games. 
you know, I was a little worried that it might do that. But I think with that win the other day, mm -hmm. I see I see the city probably coming back and packing that place and being ready to roll again. I think that's going to get those dudes pumped up. Well, I mean, crowd, all crowd of us, you're, you're, it's interesting you say that because we were down there doing a show live. First time we've done yeah. it from along the banks before the Steelers game. That was a rainy day. And, you know, I guess it's supposed to maybe be a rainy day again this Sunday here. But um, th there just wasn't the juice. Mm -mm. There wasn't the juice. You, you had just come off a game where you got beat by Baltimore, where Burrow got hurt. You got this back up. Here come the Steelers. Nobody knows what to expect, but you're just so devastated by the Burrow injury. There was no juice, not even for you, Elliot, and you making an appearance down there. That is, normally would turn the tide. That's a little bit slanderous, but that's okay. I have one more question. I have one more uh, serious football question. I'm looking at the, uh, the punter rankings. <laughs> oh I'm looking God. at the punter rankings, and it appears our guy – Michigan man Brad Robbins, our guy, ranks thirty first. Oh, ranks ranks thirty first out of thirty two punters. He's only averaging forty four yards a punt. Why? Um, <laughs> you, you would think with the amount they punted there for a while that that's what I was thinking. He'd be on his game. Or <laughs> um, worn out. But may, maybe that's what it is. He yeah. Might, but uh, I, I mean. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Huber still lives here in town. I would assume. I mean, Call he never left. He so I, you know, he's always. I think he could go back. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't. You know, he, honestly, it's how many years has he been out? Is this second year? Brad Robbins. He's yeah. a rookie. Rookie. He's rookie. A rookie? Okay. They dumped Drew Chrisman, who had uh, twice the numbers this guy has. But I go mean, ahead. But he he looks like he's like forty. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he does. He does. He, he's you know. I mean, I'm. There's really no, no hair shame. There's really That's nothing right. to say. Now, has he has he had any has he has he had any blocked or has he thrown a fake yet? No, I don't okay. believe I don't believe he's had any blocked. No, he is not, and he is definitely so, not thrown a pass. No, so. I don't know where the wood is to knock, but um, <laughs> styrofoam. But anyway, you know the thing is, is maybe maybe he has some some crazy arm, and he's just the emergency backup quarterback <laughs> that nobody knows about. I don't know. All right. Well. Um, you have a, you, are you in the prediction business at all? You know, before we get to that, I want to ask you, I want to ask you a couple things away from, from uh, the, the Bengals game just real quick because you, you live right down there in the heart of SEC country. Mm -hmm. um, what was your reaction? Because you played at Texas A&M. Uh, you coached in major college football. Uh, being in the middle of SEC country, as much as we love the Big Ten up here, at least a lot of people love the Big Ten up here, there is nothing like the, the rabidness of the SEC in yep. college football. Um, what was your reaction to Florida State getting bounced and, 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 and the SEC winner, in this case, Alabama, getting in? That, uh, my problem is this, is you asked a team to, to go play their schedule and do what they can do and win with the players they got. Florida State did that. Unfortunately, that guy blew his knee. Or, you know, and then the, the next guy got hurt, and you're playing with a third-string quarterback, and you still win. I get the whole thought process of, okay, Texas looked really good in the Big 12 championship game. They beat Alabama. Alabama just beat Georgia. Alabama almost all lost, should have lost to Auburn the week before. So it's like, my thing is this. There has to be something outside of this saying we, we need the SEC in those four games because or in those four teams. But for a team like Florida State to be 13-0, and, and I get it, they're probably not as good of a team as Alabama. I get that 100%. I get that. But what good is the regular season if you exactly. win a Power 5 conference and go undefeated in that conference and even did it with – you still won some games with those backups. So if that's the case, then the Bengals are done, right? That's what I – Bengals that, should just exactly. quit. Bengals should quit. The, the, exactly. the Jags should quit. The Browns should quit. I mean, because it doesn't matter. And, again, I do think that those two teams, Texas and Alabama, are better than Florida State. So if you were wanting the four best teams, they got it right. 
if you want to keep the integrity of the game, I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on that because – And it's it just crazy. They, they, they want the best matchup. They want the best matchup. The average margin of victory in these college football games is 17 points. It's not like you're getting, like, close games every time. The national championship game last year was won by 60 points. Yep. 60. Yeah. And I, so – and I agree with him 100%. So I if, if this guy is hurt, right, you play the game, you win the game, you continue on with your season. It's still your season. It's not the Travis Hunter show. It's the it's the Florida State Seminoles. That and that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt recruiting around Florida State and the ACC yeah. to say, you know, these kids are gonna go. Oh well, you can win. You can go thirteen zero in that conference, and you don't even get in. Now I get they're going to twelve next year, but it's got to put a got to got to make it harder on them to recruit. Well, oh, I've seen maybe you've seen it. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of really well thought out. These aren't lunatic fringe fans. I, I, I've seen a lot of very well thought out, well presented arguments that Florida State made the decision a number of years ago not to join the SEC. Mm-hmm. All right. And they got a new TV deal with the ACC network starting up. But I mean, let's face it, there, there are TV deals. There's Big Ten SEC and then there's everybody else. Um, and, and the numbers certainly don't lie about that as far as just revenue is concerned for those schools and those conferences. Um, but, 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 but the argument was made the other day, uh, uh, piggybacking on what you're just saying. So if you're a kid who's playing there and now everybody says, well, this is going to go away if, uh, when we go to 12 teams. Okay. Now, if you are the ACC champion, that's true. Okay. You're going to be automatically in, but if you lose two games, and, and, and look, FSU will step out of conference and play some people now. They played LSU. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they played Mississippi State in the SEC. So they're not scheduling a bunch of cream puffs here out of conference. So you lose two games during the season. Maybe you don't win your, 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 your ACC championship game. Maybe Clemson bounces back and has a big year. North Carolina, whatever. The same thing could happen to them again. Exactly. As a two-loss team and not get in a 12-team format because they're still going to take, in this year's case, you would have taken Ohio State. You would have taken Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. You might have taken LSU. All those schools are going to get in with two losses or one loss ahead of a two-loss ACC team. Yep. And do, and do you slide a Liberty in there or somebody that, that goes Well, they have to. You know what I'm saying? So you, yeah. you, you got a team. That's going to knock somebody that's that 12th team because yeah. Liberty's 24th or whatever. And the other thing is, like, if you looked at, I believe, the last rankings, LSU was 13th. Well, LSU's three losses were Florida State, Ole Miss, and Alabama, all ahead of them in the top ten. And there's an LSU team that their offense, their defense was horrific for most yeah. of the year. But that offense under Jaden Daniels, you you want that. You want that to be on TV. I'm just telling you. I, I watched no it all doubt. year long. And and that offense with that kid uh, was, was unbelievable. But they're sitting at 13, so they're out still. And you don't think the people in Baton Rouge are going to go, you know, ballistic down there? I mean, I live down there, and they're, they're, they're mad. They're – just so mad about the defense right now because of what they had with Jaden Daniels. And there's going to be teams that are always going to be mad no matter what. I, I, on that note, before we let you go, uh, just a vibe because of, because of his affiliation here for so long and success he had with Brian Kelly. How are they feeling down there about him? Uh, it, it took him a minute, but I think they've, they've grown to, to really appreciate him. Uh, you know, they're, again, they're not happy with the defense, but I think the recruiting has picked up to where they, you know, Ogeron was a, was a heck of a recruiter. Yes, he was. was. But I think they're, you know, they thought the recruiting would fall off a little bit when he first came in, and he kind of had the the fake, uh, the fake Southern accent or whatever. But uh, <laughs> he's he's come around to where he's he's become one of the guys there, and uh, he, you know, he he doesn't he's a little bit like Belichick in a way down there where he only says what he needs to say, 
And, you know, I think that's been good for him. He hasn't, he hasn't spoken too much. Okay. All right. Kyle, we appreciate you coming in what? and taking the we time got, today, man. Oh, we got picks. Bop. Yeah, we're doing Pick picks. Up. My bad. All right, here we go. Picks. Here we go. We do these picks, and you're going to be picking uh, for the boss. Boss picked him yesterday. Yeah, he oh, picked. he did. So he he's just doing yesterday. his own picks. He's picking for Casey? He's going to be picking for Casey. Okay. okay. And he's, already, right. he's already in there. So okay. we, let's let's start it off with uh, – Well, it's unfair to have a real football man in here making these picks. Nah. <laughs> we'll start it off. What are you laughing at? I'm just, I like the way you say that. I, I know you do. You laugh every time I say it. Yeah, because it's silly. It's a cheap <laughs> laugh. All right. Okay. All right. The first All game, right. Tom, is going to be the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Baltimore – the Ravens are favored by seven and a half. Okay, your guy, uh, Obama, all about hope and change. Okay, your guy. Uh, they're all about hope after change in L.A. That's they're right. They're playing good football right now. Yeah. They're playing really, really well. But I think we all agree in this room. Right now in the AFC, Miami might be the number one seed if it ended today. The best team in the AFC is Baltimore. This is a seven and a half point spread. Kyle, we will begin with you, and we, we take in the spread into account when we make I, these picks. I got you. So right. I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens, and the reason I'm going with the Ravens is that's a long trip. I told you about travel. That's a long trip, man, and uh, you're going to go into a place right now where they're playing as good a football at M&T Bank Stadium where, uh, you know, you catch those guys. Yeah, you catch the Rams on the wrong day, but Puka Nakua, I'm not sure if he's full speed right now, so it's kind of like, you know, I think the, the Ravens are going to get it. Okay. I'm going to take the Rams, them and their seven fans. They're going to get up for this one. Kyron Williams is a damn good running back. Stafford's playing a little bit better. Cooper Cup appears to be playing a little bit better. Uh, I, 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 yeah, Coach Kasky's right about uh, Puka, though. He, I think he is hurt. Uh, the issue, though, I don't think the, I, I think this is a classic trap game. Now, from a football perspective, Kyle's right. From a betting perspective, this is a weird line to me, Tom. So I'm going to take plus seven and a half here and go with the Rams. Okay. What about you, young I want, man? I want to ask why you think it's a weird line. I feel like seven and a half. I think this line's right on the money. Rams have been playing good. Rams have been playing some good football. Correct. But, I mean, it's in Baltimore. Baltimore's yes. probably a top three. I don't know. It, it seems like a fair line to me. And it, for that reason, I'm going to take the better team. Me and the boss are together in our pick of the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, and I am going with the Ravens as well. I, th I think they're the best team Love in it. football. Really? I do. I think, I think Baltimore's got the best team. That doesn't mean they'll win the Super Bowl. I think today as we sit here, they're the best team. Okay. We will keep it in the division. All right. Um, up in the, the city that never sleeps, the Jacksonville Jaguars will take on the Cleveland Browns. Okay, and you're right about Cleveland, the, the rock and roll capital of the world. Well, they never got it going on up there. Well, they never sleep because you might get shivved in the back if you close your eyes. So. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? All right. Okay. Uh, all right, Kyle, what do you think? The uh, Brownies with Joe Flacco again at quarterback this week. Three-point this, favorite. This one, I, and I'm only saying this because I have, I have experience. Uh, C.J. Beathard was the, was the backup for Trevor when I was there, and I've watched this guy on a day-in, day-out basis. Uh not only is his brother a country star, Tucker Bethard, but uh, he is—he uh, has—he has a lot of experience, and I think he's going to go into Cleveland. I think he, the Jags win this game. I tell you, I, I called a number of his games when he was out in San Francisco. I thought he did pretty well mm -hmm. when he was out there. All right, Elliot. Well, that scares me. I don't like that because I already picked the Browns, and I'm not going to change it per se. 
But I'm pro- I'm I'm, I'm going to go with Coach on that when I gamble on it on Sunday. But for this show, for this show, I'll go with the Browns. Well, I mean, you were the guy that said the Brownies were winning two playoff games. Let's not forget that. Well, that, well, was, that was before. That was when they had a healthy quarterback. Yeah, that was before the Deshaun Watson got down. But you could argue that Joe Flacco looks better than than Deshaun <laughs> yes, Watson. Can. Uh, once again, listen when when you got banged up quarterbacks, uh, you, you fall to what roster is built better around them. And I think we've all known for a long time that the Cleveland Browns roster is one of the best in the league. They were just missing that that single piece, which was the quarterback, which is why they they traded everything away to get Deshaun Watson. That's why the Houston Texans are good right now, thanks to the Cleveland Browns. Um, but the, the Browns have such a good roster. They're at home. I think it's going to be a smash-mouth game. And in a smash-mouth game, I like the Cleveland Browns. So does the boss. We're both taking the Brownies. I tell you, unless you're really paying attention, uh, as great as the Cleveland defense has been this year these last two or three weeks they have not been very good they got boat raced out in denver uh and and and, and look i don't know how many people are buying into denver russell wilson has certainly had a nice bounce back year and they're having a much better year than people thought but but cleveland's beat up they're beat denzel ward a little beat up miles garrett beat up having said all that give me the brownies mm. Mm. brownies right. at home on the lake caskey's alone love the lake duval <laughs> Lake Erie. Lake Erie. Duval has three U's in it, just so if anybody's right. ever That's concerned. right. They, somebody Duval. said that was the best also, chant in football. Also, all their wins are on the road. Just a little fun fact. They do not have a win at home. Yeah, they've lost four times. All right, we'll go to the next game. So we got two big-time games before we get to the hometown game. Um, we'll stay in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills will travel to Burrowhead Stadium. They'll take on no. the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are two-point favorites. Tom, who you got? He is sitting in Casey's seat, and he sounds like Casey. That's right. That Burrowhead nonsense. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I, I mean, lock, stock, barrel. No discussion. Boom. No, not even debatable. Patrick Mahomes at home. Indeed. All right, fair enough. Elliot, Cassie? Okay, okay. I, I, I've got the Chiefs, and kind of the same thought process is Bills really are kind of – Falling, falling down right now. So, Chiefs at home. I agree. Chiefs. Chiefs Nation. All right. So, we got three Chiefs. We'll bring it over to me. Listen, I have been labeled on this show, rightfully so, that I am the, the Patrick Mahomes. I'm the Kansas City Chiefs slappy. I still think that they're going to make the AFC Championship because that's all I've seen. That's all Patrick Mahomes has ever done is go to the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl. But, but... He, he stubs his toe against two teams. He stubs his toe against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he stubs his toe against the Buffalo Bills during the regular season. Wow. Um, I think that the Bills are certainly a team in the AFC that no one wants to see get into the postseason. Every single team that has postseason hopes wants to see the Buffalo Bills not make it because they know the, how, how high of a ceiling that they truly have. Um, both me and the boss, once again, aligned in our pick of the traveling Buffalo Bills. Wow. Okay. All right. That's big league pick. That's a gutsy pick. Um, okay, next up. Uh, next up, we've got the Philadelphia Eagles traveling down to Jerry World. Man, th- th- this is a, from a mental standpoint, this is a big-time game, man, for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe that dude, by the way. Uh, when I heard the other day that nonsense with uh, David Carr, Derek Carr's brother, Suggesting yeah. that the Philadelphia Eagles would be better off with Marcus Mariota at quarterback right now instead of Jay. I mean, are you kidding me? Clickbait. Oh, 
Boyle, Boyle. I, gotta, I guess that's what it is. I clicks. don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Uh, but this is mentally, this is a huge game, man. I mean, Cowboys just seem like they boat race all the lesser teams. They play somebody good and they get beat. That's happened again this year. But Dak Prescott is tearing it up. What do you think here, Mr. Kasky? Coach Kasky, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm going to sound like a homer because I'm from Texas, but I'm going with the Cowboys right. because here's the thing. They are playing in Jerry World where they have been just – I don't know the last time they've lost. I think they're like on some long winning streak right now. And, and the last few games I've watched them play, I don't think anybody wants to play the Cowboys right now. Okay. I agree. And by the way, they should have beaten the Eagles the first time. There was a questionable out-of-bounds call. But I mean, they didn't. Well, he was out-of-bounds, but, but they didn't. It, it was close. What was that? But Why are you they bringing didn't. it up if they got it right? Why are you bringing it up? Well, because if he was an inch to the left, then they win the game. Well, what a, what's the old adage around here? What a, should, I get it. Whatever. I'm going to take the Cowboys. If a toad had wings, he wouldn't bump his tail. I don't think that's a good saying. I don't okay, understand right. it. Well, it makes perfect sense. Go ahead. <laughs> it does make perfect it. sense. Go back to if biology. You, if you if you don't if you don't get that, Elliot, I don't I don't know how to help you. I mean, if come the on. toad had wings, he wouldn't bump his tail. Listen, I've also wouldn't bump his ass is the term. <laughs> oh. I mean, okay, go ahead. Uh, that's I, a Cajun thing. Go ahead. I also have been hard on the Dallas Cowboys this year, but when a spread comes out and you're three and a half point favorites against the team with the best record in the NFL, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The Dallas Cowboys have looked unstoppable. They still don't. They have one win with a team over 500 or, or better, and that was the Seahawks last week that they barely scrapped out. But I still believe in the Dallas Cowboys at home. I'm, I'm a little. I'm, I'm getting closer to being out on the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I, I'm, I'm getting farther away. So give me Dallas at home in this one. Me and the boss, once again, align our picks. We didn't uh -oh. even need we didn't Do even you want to change? No, you got to go with yours. You and know where I'm going. I'm taking the Batlin Eagles. Oh, then we're fine. The fighting Sirianis. I like them. Love my bet now. I love the Eagles. I love them. All right. Uh, last but not least, right? Your it. Cincinnati Bengals. Two-point favorite. Huge, huge game for both of these teams. You want to start us this time, Reed, Mouse, and Boss? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. Um, listen, this line has moved before the Bengals. The line was out before the Bengals played Monday Night Football. The line for this game was the Bengals were two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Vegas watched the Cincinnati Bengals play on Monday Night Football against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they moved the line all the way down to minus Two. Nothing has changed other than the Cincinnati Bengals played that Monday night football game and they moved the line four points. Wow. For that reason, I've got to hedge my heart and I got to go with the Indianapolis Colts. You Whoa. have got to be kidding me. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my lord. Listen, Tom, I can't I can't make the pick. I can't have the Bengals lose and be wrong. So I've got I'd rather be wrong and have the Bengals win. So And how about the boss? Oh, the boss is uh on the Bengals. Okay. Coach, you know, after I, I'm, I'm a lot like Vegas right now, after watching that game, this would have been Sunday or Monday morning. I would not have picked the Bengals, uh, but I'll tell you what, I think they're going to come out and they're going to jump a couple spots and be back in this playoff race after this. So I'm taking the Bengals. Okay. I am betting a responsible amount of money, Tom, on the over in this game. There will be points galore. The Bengals' defense, respectfully, uh, is atrocious. So, but saying all that, I do think Jake Browning and the run game, the revamped run game, is going to win this game. We win in a shootout, 37-32. Preposterous football numbers. That would be a fun game to watch. It'd be a lot like the game of last week. That might be a score of 37-32. Might be. I'm taking a Ben Galley's. 
Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Loved watching that run game. I just hope and pray that they, they'll stay with it. Stay with it. You've got two good backs that can do a lot of things. Stay with it. All right. Kyle, thank you for coming in today, man. It's been great having you here. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. All right, buddy. All the best and keep up the great work on, uh, on your show each and every week. It comes your way, if you don't know, Tuesdays now at 530 yes, sir. since your season ended, the high school season. And um, come back and see us. I will. You're yeah. welcome anytime. Anytime. Yeah. we got to start having Kyle a regular part of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. All right. Uh, we got 10 minutes left. The three of us need to make, or we got five, four minutes left. We need to make our predictions for the Crosstown shootout. Oh, yes. What? And we don't know a line on that, right? Because it's still 24 hours away, whatever, right? We need to make our predictions for the Crosstown shootout. You want to start it, Mr. X-Man? Yeah, uh, sure. You can call me X-Man all you want. Listen, uh, I look at the two teams. I look at the body of work. I look at what these two teams have done. Um, the uh, Xavier Musketeers, my beloved Xavier Musketeers, lost to Delaware. They lost to uh, Oakland. We're still not sure where Oakland is. I mean, those are inexcusable losses at the CentOS Center. I mean, they, they can't do it at home. And, and when, you, when you think of the history of college basketball, mm. what teams have impressed you more than what – the University of Cincinnati Bearkittens have done through their first seven games this year. For this reason, like I said earlier, I don't see a path to victory for um, for the Xavier Musketeers. I just don't see a possibility in which they win this game. I think that it's not close. I think that uh, if Sean Miller is going to shake Wes Miller's hand at halftime and say, listen, boys can't take it tonight. Boys can't take it tonight. It's going to be They're going to be up 60 after the 20-minute mark, and, and then that game's going to end right then and there. So I, I got the UC Bearcats in a blowout. Tom, this I, is so tired. I mean, Tom. What do you, <laughs> I mean, it really is so tired. Tom, what are you? What, what are, you, are you really predicting now? After all of that nonsense, what are you really predicting? Uh, so when you think of the the history of college basketball, oh my god! Of- <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Do you, what do you want me to do, Tom? You want me to be serious? Or do you want me to rebuttal that with trolling? No, no troll. Let's start with a troll. All right. All right so at halftime, when they release the skyline parachutes of this game, and Sean Miller gets distracted by one, he catches one. Inside the skyline parachute, he will find a note that reads, you are a loser. Now, he'll read this. He'll take it to heart. He'll sit on the bench and cry. This will result in the forfeiture of this game. Like Reed said, Bearcats win this game at halftime 72-2. to Realistically, so I think the, exact, the Bearcats... It was the exact same score I said. The good news is uh, Xavier gives up 400 points a game. Bearcats win this game 81-78. Oh, tight one. Tight one. Okay. All right. Good old I, good one. I'm going with the Bearcats. Uh, I'm going 80... I'm going 80-71, to 71, UC. Let's go. Mm. Tom, I'll tell you what. Tickets for this game have gone down significantly. Really? I wonder why. Uh, so yeah, you can go and get some tickets. How about this? The teams can't beat Delaware State. I'll get three tickets. I'll pick you up. We'll go to Dana Gardens, Tom. We'll go to Dana I can't. Gardens. I, I can't tomorrow. I told you guys I couldn't go to this game. You told I'm me at, you were looking I, for tickets I, I earlier this week. I was until the we boss were, told me that I had other plans. We were going to have high noons. I, well, and it's Friday. Up. I listen. I sent a text to our bosses, Trace and Sean. I said, guys, um, in the refrigerator. In the office, uh, there are there's a pack of high noons. So if they're watching this show right now, 
because I got to do a cherry on top. I'm, I've got Reed's top five to round out this week. And we week. have chat power rankings. And we got to do chat power rankings. This, this show's going to be a lot. We're going to have to hold. Um, we're going to have to hold Tom here a little longer. But okay. if they're listening to me right now, Drace and Sean, <laughs> in the left drawer of the fridge, there is a pack of high noons that we promised the the good nut cutters of our show that we would drink live on air. So once again, <laughs> a sip on air is what I promised. He promised to to shotgun it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So while that happens, hopefully that happens. Let's go ahead and, and play our cherry on top, and okay. we'll, go, we'll go right into Reed's top five, and then into chat power rank. Yes. Okay, let's go. I think this is going to be the best top five ever, Tom. Really? Yeah. Okay. Boy, that looks good. Oh, yes, it does. Looks good. All right. So we, we, we talk here. I'm probably going to have to maneuver my camera just a little bit. Um, top five, we, we, we break down things that are happening in uh, Cincinnati. Uh, this week, we, we talked about Reds Fest last week. The biggest event happening in Cincinnati this week is, of course, the Crosstown Shootout. Um, and, and a lot is made about a rivalry and what's at stake in a rivalry. Um, so I broke down the five most important things that are at stake in the rivalry tomorrow in the okay. Crosstown Shootout. All right, here we go. So let's go. We're going we're gonna to be doing this live. Let's see what this looks at. Oh, oh, is it not coming up? Oh, it's because the graphics aren't on. There we go. All okay. right, coming in at number five is Xavier's win streak at home. We He brought it up in the monologue um, 22 years in a row or – it's been 22 years since the last time the University of Cincinnati has beaten the Xavier Musketeers at the Centos Center. So, Xavier, they have a win streak in this crosstown shootout. That's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. They're coming off a three-game loss at home. Can they get it done and keep that winning streak alive? So that's coming in at number five, Tom. Coming in at number four. Now, we have a show on uh, Chatterbox Sports. It is called Chatterbox Bearcats. Yes. They, they go over the recap every single Bearcats game and on that show the host Houdini and Charlie Walter have personally guaranteed a win in this crosstown Good prediction by them so um, what's at stake is the reputation of Charlie Walter listen this mm. is he's got a he's got a very great he's got a great reputation he should he's a very successful man he's very talented very he's funny, a handsome man very handsome guy but his reputation is at stake because if they lose this game I mean all credibility <laughs> is thrown out the window so that's at number four Coming in at number three, listen, you, you talk about win streaks, you talk about reputations, bragging rights, all these things. What else could be on the line in this crosstown shootout between the Xavier Musketeers and the University of Cincinnati Bearcats? It's a, the, the coach of their next football program, Deion Sanders. Wow. Deion's watching this very close. As Trace Fowler has brought up on this show multiple times, they cannot believe that UC let Deion slip through the cracks because he wanted to be a Bearcat. Now he's looking for his next job. Xavier's going to start up a football program, I think, sometime here soon. <laughs> Dion has cited both the University of Cincinnati and the Xavier Musketeers as top spots to be the, the coach of uh, the next program that he takes over. So and He's bringing Louis. Yeah, he's bringing Louis Vuitton. That's exactly right. So that was number three. So what else could be at stake in this uh, in the Crosstown shootout? Well, pretty simple. It's Xavier's Final Four hopes. If they lose this game, I mean, they still <laughs> are just holding – I mean, 
they look like a Final Four team. If you, if you watch them, even through the losses and everything like that, but they are stacking up, and if they can't win this game, how can you imagine them going to the Final Four? Well, they would get a chance in a rematch of the Final Four against Oakland in the semis and maybe Delaware <laughs> in the finals. Yeah, yeah Paul, Paul, the Elite Eight. Paul yesterday said Delaware and, and Oakland were going to be crushing on Selection Sunday. Those were the two losses that <laughs> okay. we're gonna, yep. the okay. committee was going to look at. That's right. <laughs> yep, so coming in at number one, the thing that is most at stake in tomorrow's game. Once again, we're talking about a team that has looked worse than they've ever looked in their program's history and a team that looks like the best team in college basketball history in the UC Bearcats. So what is at stake? Any hope for UC fans? If you can't, if, if you can't win this year, how do you expect to, to sustain success against the Xavier Musketeers? If the Bearcats can't win this game at the Centos Center, when the Xavier Musketeers are coming off three losses, two of which to the Delaware Blue Ends in the Oakland, California Golden Grizzlies, how can you win ever at the Centos Center? It doesn't make any sense. You're the best team in college basketball this year. We've all seen it. That's what everyone's saying. Aziz oh, Mondago is a shoe-in for the Naismith Award. But here we go. Any hope. That's what's, that's what's at stake. Okay. All right. Okay. While you go through the chat rankings, none of our bosses apparently pay any attention to what the hell no, goes on. No, they're not on. watching the show. Nobody's watching the show. Nobody cares. Right. That's why we appreciate all of you. I'm going to go get three of them while you do the chat rankings. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. yeah. Keep it over there. So we'll bring it over to me. So, yeah, we, we messed up on the chat power rankings last week. We didn't get it to you. So I, I, told, I tasked Elliot, I said, hey, listen, if I'm producing this show, we're going to have chat power rankings. And chat power rankings we shall have. Elliot, take it away. Number five, Mr. Moe. Mr. Moe is my guy. Mr. Moe is a college football uh, knower, a ball knower, if you, were, if you will. He makes fun of me. He says I'm unknowledgeable about the sport of college football. And that's fine. Mr. Moe can have his opinion. But saying that, he's a legend, he's an icon, and I loved him. And I will always think, whenever I read Mr. Moe, I think of Mueller High School. So that's your, that's your profile here. Uh, number four, Molly. Molly. I love you, Molly. I met Molly during Pumpkin Town. I met her over there on the street. I loved her. Me familia. Uh, what? Me familia. Me familia. Uh, I love Molly. Molly's a staple of this chat. Um, she is the golden girl. So here we go. Molly, you're number four this week. Number three. Again, Justin, I use Tom's picture every time I have Justin on my power rankings because he got in that one fight with Tom during a show. You can just walk through. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I'll bring it over here. Thank you. Uh, all right, so that's Justin. Justin, you're number three. That's a hell of a week, pal. At number two, we have Everett. Everett left. He's not watching right now, but I'll tell you what, Everett, you're the man. You're the man. It appears Ramley is back. Is that Ramley true? Ramley is back. It never left. It never left. So, Everett, congratulations this week. You were number two. You were the moral compass of the chat, uh, and I love you. Number one this week, chat power rankings, it's Fetters. It always is Fetters. It always will be Fetters. Fetters, you are the man. You are the, you are the golden god. I love you, Mark Fetters. Uh, he is just a staple of the chat. Shout out to Everett. And again, if you missed the list, I apologize. Uh, but these are my top five. This is how I felt. No, a noticeable absence from the, the rankings was Mouse Cop because he's been on a slander campaign. He yep. blocked me on Twitter. Yep. Uh, and the friendship appears to be over, Tom, with me and Mouse Cop. Uh, I'd like to send out condolences to Brian B. from the chat. His father passed away last oh, Sunday, so our thoughts and prayers are with Sorry you. To hear that. And if you don't mind, Brian B., in his honor. Here we go. This, in the this is called a high noon. This is something that people who go to Miami or those that are at Yale 
Or those that are at, you know. Ohio University? Uh, definitely not Ohio University. Definitely. From, from this what will you... be the first time one of these has ever touched my lips. This is the mango-flavored High Noon. What do you have over there? I've got. I meant to get three different flavors, but I was in a hurry. I've got watermelon. Yeah, and you got, got watermelon water too, right? Uh, this is watermelon. Yes. Okay. Gentlemen, Cheers. here's to a good weekend, a Cheers. good crosstown shootout, the Bengalis. Brian B., your dad, God rest his soul, he's in a better place. Everybody have a great weekend. Fox Lunch is coming up. It is. Fox Lunch is coming up. Yeah, I'm not surprised that they drank those at Miami of Ohio. Pretty good, huh? How about noon on a Friday? No, noon on a work day. Well, it's high noon. That, oh, no. oh! Box lunch. <laughs> Time right now. Have a good weekend, everybody. Here we go.